0: Yeah. Oh, there we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Iron Cannon Podcast, your home on the Star Wars and Girl Podcast Network for in-depth discussion on the lore, the High Republic, and the whole canon of the galaxy far, far away. Sorry about that little technical hiccup. Just there, but you know that's how the internet works. Um, My name is Matthew, and I'm coming to you live from the new Star Wars: Underworld North studio here in Toronto. As always, I am joined across the continent by your friend and mine, Mr. Joel Davis. Joel, how are you doing this week?
1: I'm doing great, and I just want to let our audience know that we, on the Star Wars Ion Can Podcast, support the SAG-AFTRA WGA strike that is still going on. And I believe I'm correct; we have a link to the Entertainment Community Fund in the description below, where you can donate. And make sure and we are not taking any contracts from any AMPTPT studios. We'll uh,
0: absolutely. Uh, their work is why we're here tonight and why we keep talking about canon and storytelling and uh, both acting and writing and script writing. And you know, if it wasn't for film actors and film writers and script writers, Star Wars wouldn't happen. So uh <laughs> you know, gotta <kinda, laughs> w- you know, who's the real brains behind this operation? Uh what are we talking about this week? Well, we're talking about politics and Specifically of the new republic, not just politics, also its possible history and future on page and screen. Canon so far. What do we know? What do we hope for? Does it restore the Galactic Republic or bring something new? All that and more on this week's episode of the Ion Cannon podcast. First up, gonna do a few plugs. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and threads at Ion Canon Pod E Y E O N C A N O N P O D. So we're gonna not Twitter X. I'm not even gonna. That's the last time I'm gonna do that. That sounded dirty coming out on a Twitter. It's called Twitter, <laughs> guys. Just call it Twitter. <laughs> Get grief. Um, yeah, and uh, here on the Servers Underworld YouTube channel, we have YouTube memberships and super chats, and of course the Discord. Uh, Servers Underworld Discord. Joel, you have <laughs> two things to plug. First off, uh, talk about the Discord, and then talk about being on the flagship past Thursday.
1: Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, as for things to plug, we had a game night last Friday. Uh, it was super fun. Um, I'm going to tease that sometime in August, before Ahsoka, uh, I plan to d- set up a little Star Wars Rebels rewatch of a very important episodes, pretty much the last four episodes of season four, uh, to get ready for the uh, Ahsoka series. So be on the lookout for that. And yes, we had a great time on the Flagship show. We talked about, uh, what did we talk about? Like a little t- Comic Con. We talked about Soka. We talked about the Strike. Um, I gave a little theory that I think um, Sabine Wren is being set up to be the central character of the Filoni film, just based on some gut feelings I have. But we'll find out by the end of the Soka series if I'm correct. Um, and many more things. Go check it out. A lot of fun. Wish you were there. Because it would been-
0: Awesome for more folks. Thank you. Yeah, So that's right here on the stars under Real YouTube channel. That being the flagship where the, where the spin off the iron (laughs) cannon, I would do things, little things different that show definitely more talks about news and goes through news items. Uh, I'm sure there's room to make room for deeper conversations as well. We just go for it, take a topic, talk about it. uh, Except for, you know, except for what we're going to do a little bit tonight. We're going to do, there's a bit of news we're going to get into as well. But always, in terms of paper-canon connections, is, is our focus and deeper themes and ideas here at the Iron Cannon Podcast. So, uh, with that, uh, Jill, you have on. comment on this week. Go for it with your uh, point about generational Ahsoka hype.
1: Oh, yeah. So, you know, I, I was talking to some friends of mine on the internet, as we do. And, you know, we kind of got into the Ahsoka, and they're excited for the show. They're really hyped for Soran. This is a friend of mine who's a little younger than me. Actually, a lot younger. He's, like, 21. Um, and I thought it was really cool that he didn't know Thrawn was a character from a book in 1991. He thought Thrawn was a character from Rebels. Um, yeah. and, you know, it's it just kind of a fun reminder at the end of the day that they the impact these shows have for their true target audience, which are people way younger than us, you know, Rebels, Bad Batch, even, uh, you know, they're getting hyped for it as well. Um, and it's just, it's just a cool reminder. It's like, oh yeah, you know. Wrong. is the people are like oh it's wrong to be like the tim's on version from 1991 it's like they only know this character some younger people than us know this character just from rebels because that to them is their star wars because that was the, the demographic the true demographic of the show and i think just something older fans got to keep in mind at the end of the day most of the stuff we're not the target audience for most of the stuff we can enjoy it and i think it's fun to enjoy but like we're not the essential target audience it's young kids for sure mm-hmm. so yeah, I was just that was just a fun convo and kind of a
0: reminder. It's like,
1: oh yeah, mm. you know, guys. The, the
0: year time. is twenty twenty three. Uh, people who were born in the year two thousand <laughs> have mostly graduated university. <laughs> <laughs> what a true. thought, right? What a thought. Oh, goodness. Um, and so much less people who were born in the late nineties. You know, when the when the Phantom Menace and the prequels came out uh yeah i mean they what would they necessarily know about thrawn um you know even i might have been oh, i guess i was <coughs> I was old enough maybe to to pick up a novel and see what it was about but yeah i guess uh it wasn't you know not everybody not everybody was old enough or not you know there are so many people who were hadn't been born yet when when those novels came out to not know yeah and, and that yeah they're encountering thrawn for the first time i mean the, the, you're gonna have some interesting mix then you're gonna have Interesting mix of perspectives on on uh well on him already in Rebels, first of all. Uh and then also, you know, you're gonna have folks like you, Joel, who, who've read the read the novels, the original nineties novels, and uh, you know, had this response when he came into Rebels and, and the, the first the first canons on novels of okay, what this is what we have before. Folks like me who knew Thrawn was in the zeitgeist. And uh, folks like you and Catherine I should should shut out last week's episode. It, we're not really, that old. <laughs> we weren't born I, in ninety. No, we but, were alive in ninety one. <laughs> no, but like people who who were involved in in reading the novels and and, and really, yeah. yeah, you know, you know, what I'm getting yeah. They're like yeah. part of the conversation when when those those novels were were probably the most towering thing in Star Wars for a good you know good decade, uh, maybe not that long, but. You know, a good chunk of time, even into during the prequels, it seems like those novels were, were still, uh, still, yeah, the the a pillar, if you will, of, of what Star Wars storytelling was, and, and and I I say past tense. Unfortunately, There's folks like us who kind of came in back into Star Wars fandom later in life, uh, around Anaheim 2015, and just as the canon changeover, and still getting excited about Thrawn, but. It's a different experience, and then there's folks who um, didn't even yeah, like your friends, really not having a sense that uh, this was some some historic character figure in star in Star Wars lore, if you will, like a historic figure as in the '90s novels are historic parts of the Star Wars fabric, and and yeah, it, it's just one of those things where the the canon reset in 2015 creates this freshness that. I think it was exciting, but I, I gather, yeah, like what you're hinting at, there are going to be folks who are going to have to say, hold on, uh, my own expectations. You know, I mean, that's the classic question, right? Going into something, what are expectations and uh, what are the sources of those expectations? How true is Filoni going to be to this strong character? I mean, that's the question uh, well, ah, we, we yeah. de- dealt with last week, but... Uh Yeah, if you have any further thoughts, Joel.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think about Filoni, it's like, I don't know how old he is. I mean, you know, he, I think he's like Gen X. He's certainly older than us. Yeah. But he would be of the right age and kind of what the interview that I get of. He is, mm-hmm. I would not be surprised. And someone on a forum I was reading said this where it's like, he's of the right age where it's like the Thrawn trilogy kind of were the sequels that weren't, you yeah. know, they were the sequel trilogy, for lack of a better term, you know? I mean, in terms of here's the continuing adventures of Luke, connor and Leia, what happened next? Right. Um, You know, I think he... I think the reason why Dave was putting in Thrawn is not just because, oh, I think he's... You know, oh, I'm, I'm Dave, I can do whatever I want. Like, no, I definitely think he generally likes those... that both books and those characters. You know, obviously, I think he's smart enough to know, like, I can't do a beat for beat, nor should I think he's going to try. No. But, you know, I do think he is... Of that generation, just of yeah, this is kind of the sequel trilogy that was, and I'm not saying oh, Filoni hates the sequel trilogy of day mm-hmm. but I'm very much of like he is of that generation that is going to influence his storytelling just as much as being under George's tutelage. But you know, as I always say, if Filoni's really adhering to George's vision, why is he using Thrawn? George can yes. care less about Thrawn, <laughs> um, true.
0: Um, uh, so yeah, that's just kind of your point I mean Thrawn and the George Lucas vision that's a whole mm-hmm. I mean yeah yeah we, we touched on it last week a little bit but <laughs> yeah I mean he's definitely shown respect my sense is she's he's shown a lot of respect for the character even as he's free to explore and even Zon himself I mean was gonna respect his own character uh, free to explore maybe that accounts for some of the differences between rebels and the the Canon trilogy and the canon uh, six the six novels, is Filoni's being free to explore uh, more situations and different situations, and and it would go back to the whole protagonist versus villain question. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's a respect but also a freedom to do something different and definitely throw them in live action if we talk about medium and message. It's a whole other medium, a whole other experience seeing this character in live action, even than animated, than in a novel. So, uh, oh, definitely, yeah. It's, it's funny this guy keeps on. I mean, this guy. We're gonna get to him in a minute, in a, in a, in a little bit. This guy, yeah. He, what's with our podcast and blue characters? It's the blue theme. It's this stuff here. I like blue. I mean blue is my favorite color. <laughs> the Jedi right? Temple Archives. I, I you know Mark I mean, blue and Rose. My Thrawn. favorite
1: character, so you know yeah. that's kind of the reason why he actually likes Ron when I was little. It's like
0: be blue. I
1: like yeah. blue. So
0: maybe give some Aila Sakura some love. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> why not? Yeah. Uh all right, let's move on to some uh yeah, some High Republic news because we're the whole of the High Republic here on the and World. Podcast Network, I, I just claimed that. I don't know. It's, it wasn't bestowed on me. I just went for it. <laughs> uh, you know how you do. Uh, nope, that's the wrong thing. Uh, that's what I wanted to do. I'm going to actually not confuse myself there by doing that. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Leslie Hedlund speaking on the Dagobah Dispatch. Uh, but this is written in the Western bulletin. So, the Dagobah Dispatch is uh, Entertainment Weekly's. Star Wars podcast, so they they have access to people, because that's, you know, the super legit publication. Bestman Bolton. Uh, they've been around, they've, they, they do their homework, um, kind of did a bit of a write-up on this podcast episode, uh, on this interview, that, uh, yeah, like, give a look at, and Leslie Headland came on, uh, so did Amanda Stenberg, uh, and others, but uh, Leslie was talking about how, uh, during, you know, the time of the Acolyte, the galaxy, of course, is in a time of peace. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, that's that's the era, and I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, a quote that stood out, uh, and Joel, you found this quote you know, stand out a lot too as well. Um, this is from Leslie Hedlund speaking. I think what makes this show different and interesting is that it's from the perspective of the bad guys or the villains of the Star Wars. And this is important, but why the, the peacetime is important and how the, it's hard to make a Star Wars story where there isn't a major war going on. <laughs> um, and so you have the villains. These are the people who are using the Force in their own way, dipping into the darker side of the Force, and are doing it without being sanctioned by the larger institution, which in this case is the Jedi. And I think that Star Wars is always about some version of the underdog versus the institution. Now, before I go into that directly, I just wanted to... I thought about the galaxy being the time of peace... And it, it brought up you well, know, those things that spark in the obvious, of course. The Nihil threat has to have been neutralized by then, has to have been dealt with somehow, uh, such that at least they aren't creating havoc in the galaxy the way they have been, uh you know, they, or they had been. Oh, I guess what, only only fifty hundred years before this time. Uh this you know, the you know, both the you know, the the attack on the hyperspace routes, and the attack on Valo and then the destruction of starlight. And then everything with the nameless and the leveler uh, and everything we'll see in phase three, clearly there there's some, I mean, it, it's again, it's stating the obvious, but the, it, it raises that question that Joel, you've, you've brought up is, is what does that resolution look like? What does that return to peaceable uh, a peaceable state in the galaxy, look like um you know maybe yeah i mean maybe well interestingly enough i mean that's the thing is that by the time of the phantom menace of course it has to the the biggest thing that chancellor has to deal with the jedi have to deal with are these little trade disputes little they know those trade disputes spark uh the greatest the 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 biggest conflict in the history of the galaxy um at least the most important one or not i don't know about that but one of the most impactful ones that leads to the, the rise of the, the empire. The
1: to the thousand years, so yeah,
0: there we go. So okay. I'm I'm not not exaggerating the whole thing. The Clone Wars is what I'm talking about, guys. But right. um, yeah, the it's. I I wonder why i have got to think about why I, I that struck me. Oh so yeah, of course, the because we're in it. Because I mean, I'm reading Phase Two, I'm reading Cataclysm. I, and I reading can maybe explain it, why I have this. Like I have why this that theory. strikes me as as surprising to think about. Go ahead.
1: I've always seen, like, I've, I've sort of realized this when I was doing mm-hmm. another podcast for something else, that you have the High Republic era. It's this era of time that mm-hmm. we've historically just set aside. Mm-hmm. But then we have the High Republic storyline, which yeah. is the books and the conflict against the Nile. Mm-hmm. Acolyte is in the era of the High Republic, this historical event, or this historical era, which is, mm-hmm. you know, the historians of Star Wars say, oh, you know, the High Republic, 300 to 90 BBY. But it's not part of the higher public storyline. The storyline of the Jedi versus the Nile. Right. So maybe these books. Here. It's, <laughs> so it's sort of like you kind of have to separate. You have the era and then this overarching storyline, which a bunch of books and comics have been covering mm-hmm. for the past what, three, four years? Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, so I feel like getting to more what I want to see is we have stories in the era mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with this big Sweeping storyline that you gotta read a bunch of books and comics to piece together and something gets a little confusing, at least for me. Um, so maybe that is why that's kind of like you associate Higher Republic with this storyline. Yeah, with the conflict with
0: the, the Nile. I mean, that's the with, war. You right. know, if if the if the prequels is the Clone Wars and the originals is the rebellion, and then the sequels with the First Order, High Republic has been with the Nile. Uh, But this
1: is sort of out of the storyline that's sort of been weaved so far and just, it's just set in the era, but it's not part
0: of this Mm storyline that we've kind of crafted. That's that's a good point. And that's going to, you're going to have to do some mind gymnastics about that. Um, But also, yeah, I mean, again, (laughs) the interesting question that you have too is what does the piece look like? What does that thing look, does it look like, again, the, the Jedi having all retreated into the temple uh, being the institution that sanctions how the force is used also makes me think of okay, what about all the other force religions on Jedi and whatnot? And then, of course, we have uh, the the these Sith-like characters. I, I think they've been confirmed as Sith. Um, I Emmanuel Sunberg's character uh, being uh, being the underdog versus the institution. Uh, Joel, you found that quote significant. What, what about that? Would you say?
1: I mean, I feel like we've seen a lot of that kind of mindset for star wars in mm-hmm. the last 10, 10 years um especially just with the kind of authors and creatives we're getting i mean even since uh, the prequels
0: it was that kind of sense of
1: well yeah i mean you're just you know yeah. the careful. you know it's not really anti-institution so much as to be careful that these institutions can yeah. easily be taken over by evil um yeah. but i do think also and i was reading a fun Tumblr blog about this. I also think this kind of is indicative of Leslie Headland and Ewan Filoni's... They're Gen Xers. They're, you know, they're not boomers writing mm-hmm. fantasy. They are, you know, like Lucas was writing a fantasy from a boomer perspective for millennials and Gen Z. Gen Xers are a little bit more... And I don't want to, you know, put paint all over every Gen Xer, but this is kind of the general mood. There is sort of that they kind of see the world in a little more gray. There is mm-hmm. no... Oh, you know, the Jedi can't be pure good. Like, there's got to be some, there's got to be something, you know, wrong. You know, even someone has, you know, there can't be someone as good as Yoda. Like, oh, even Yoda probably got to have some flaw. Or, like, you know, even mm-hmm. the bad guys got to have something sympathetic about them. So, you know, I think it's kind of also, um, you know, where George was a little bit more heavier on good and evil at the end of the day. You know the gen Xers a little bit more. you know it, the, there's a lot of gray in the world. nothing is pure, black or white. um mm-hmm. so it just makes me excited for when millennials and Gen Zers do start taking over Star Wars storytelling it's like, what are we gonna bring to the table um yeah from, but uh, you know, I just think that's kind of indicative of kind of the storytellers taking over um you see a lot of like. Uh, just the stories we're getting now with like a lot of the good communal aid projects are never done really by institutions, it's more just local groups, mm-hmm. communities, um, individuals making good decisions, uh, that sort of thing. So, you know, I, I just think it's sort of, that's sort of, we've seen this philosophy kind of unfold the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, let Headland just saying it outright where she does believe that star Wars is MO which is somewhat true. I mean, yeah, I mean that was I mean, when you you're in the bad guys are the empire. Uh yeah, yep. but this time, you know, there is no empire, there is just the republic.
0: Yeah. And the Jedi I mean, army. there's the empire in utero. And that is the late republic, especially is is you know, Maul saying, Oh, the, look around you, you know, <laughs> the Jedi have already fallen, the Empire the Republic's already fallen. Um this is gonna be, this is gonna be interesting when we get to this in about twenty minutes or whatever. Uh, talking about the new republic, and, and yeah, I mean, it's I'm gonna have that in my mind this generational thing because uh, yeah, I mean, it even came up recently. I mean, I'm about a, th- a third of the way through Cataclysm, and I think, uh, is it is it and it's not Chen Molo, it's uh, I think it could be <laughs> um, could be Monarch Albaran, one of them, one of the some one of the kind of Irem or Arono. Uh, officials talking about how the Jedi, you know, they're they're benevolent, but yeah, I think I think Monarch Alberon is, is debating the father debating with his daughter Ziri, um and how how Charles Roy and Enya are are here to help and Monarch's all I've been around <laughs> I mean, I've been a bit of bit grizzled now. Like Gen X is now frankly being around a little bit, being a bit more grizzled and seeing how boomers uh came in with their institutions and said we're gonna use them to serve us and how they i mean millennials experience that a lot i mean that that's also a millennial story the difference is uh realism and, and cynicism versus turning and saying okay now we need more aspirational hopeful stories and star most star, Wars, most star franchises have wrestled with this constantly right um I mean, what you, if you want to look at it, here's here's, here's two odd parallels here is, uh, you know, what this makes me think of is when Ron Moore was, was on Voyager, was writing uh, Star Trek Voyager, and it was so much of well, the Federation, and its ideals, and they can, uh, we're out in this whole unknown situation, but we're going to hold on to our ideals, um, because that's all we have to go on, we're going to, come together and as this institution as the representatives of starfleet and the federation out in the delta quadrant we're gonna stick to what we know and it'll serve us well and ron is like forget that <laughs> i'm gonna go and write this retell this story from the 80s about when these cylons rose up and obliterated humanity and how that pushes everyone out into a descent into chaos and that seems like the more realistic story. Uh, and so he preached my, one of my favorite shows of all time Battles, the, the, the 2000s Battle Circle Actica, and the birth of realist, gritty realist TV in that era. Um, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. And this is a generation later. You know, Leslie um, Hedlund, you know, it, it makes me wonder. I mean, I'm, I'm always for that. I'm always for stories like that. Revenge of the Sith, again yeah, has a seed of that questioning of the institutions at their core. I think Star Wars always has. Um, turning that question on to... Well, that's the thing. George goes halfway. He turns it on to the Jedi for a minute, shines a spotlight on the Jedi for a minute, and the Republic for a minute, but really it's Palpatine. Really, it's the Sith pulling all the strings. And, and Anakin's
1: making bad decisions. Because... And Anakin's
0: making bad personal choices. But... Um, this is sounding like it's going to explore. I hope it explores the ambiguity, uh, in the way I think higher Republic* does a little bit. Um, I don't know if that's entirely what higher Republic* is about, but except for someone like Keith Trenus, we'll we get to in a very short second. Um, but, uh, you know, saying, okay, the, the incapacity of the Jedi to go and actually be the guardians of peace and justice and help the galaxy. and Um, uh, preserve goodness and order good order in society uh yeah this is gonna be interesting it's the underdog institution um i mean this may be the closest thing to get to something called gray jedi uh if you will in terms of people who just taking it upholding okay i'm all for stories that uphold a point of view of suspending my moral disbelief um, especially, you know, if, if she's m- going to make this so connected to my favorite thing in Star Wars right now is High Republic, where I don't necessarily have to suspend my moral disbelief. Um So, yeah, that's the one thing, but I'm a little... It, again, yeah, raises a question. Is she going to turn the Jedi into villains here? Is that going to go too far? I think she's going to be more responsible than that. I think she understands the story more deeply than that, but well, I think he's we'll got
1: a good writer, too. So it's like yeah. you know, trust me, I feel like when people turn the giants to outright villains, mm-hmm. they're most of the time also just not very good writers. I'm sorry. Like it's yeah. like I just don't think you're you know, like I think if you're a clever enough writer, you can do that, but make it interesting enough. Or like okay, well, you kinda of have a point. Yeah. Um uh, I mean, Yoda. Like, oh, okay.
0: like Yoda and, and Anakin on the on the pillows, right? I mean it's it's not that Yoda's being He's just—I don't know—he's just stuck in this sense of detachment, right? And what, um, yeah, I, you know, and how that leads Anakin astray, right? Turn the other way. Interestingly, so I'll put this up here. Um, there's a rediscovery. I mean, I mean, so Star Trek is this amazing. If you want to know Joel, your your answer about what happens with millennials start millennials and Gen Z, Gen are taking over we start writing more aspirational, hopeful stories. Again, we start going back to, oh, no, I, I agree. Track. I've, seen, I've yeah. seen,
1: I, I, I think some shows made by millennial showrunners are like very aspirational. Yeah.
0: Stuff. We, we start going back to, to mid track and old track and say, Hey, we're the, you know, the, the, the hopeful, not so much the institution in its own sense, but this is the thing about Voyager, for example, and I'm going here a little bit is, um, it's not so much the institution itself; it's the people in this specific situation having their their wits about them, and uh, it just you know with uh, Strange New Worlds and Discovery and Lower Decks even they, they they've started to really uh, really hone in on that as well, and so there room right. for that in Star Wars. I mean, I'll, maybe I'll say Star Wars it. never lost it in in its own sense, but. Oh,
1: I, no. I wouldn't say that. Like, I, I don't want to paint, you know, like Rebels was show run by Dave Filoni, and yet, you know, Rebels has a very, it's a little bittersweet because you lose Ezra, but it's like, you know, the people of Lothal join yeah. together, and they take on Thrawn, and mm-hmm. Thrawn loses because of Space Whales, uh, same with Resistance, you know, the yeah. people of that station join up and take kick the First Order's butt. even you know at the rise of skywalker you know mm-hmm. the people rise up against the empire or the final order and it's like yeah. no we ain't dealing with the happening um <laughs> but again I'll, I'll just say one more thing about the generational thing yeah. before I, I i get too sidetracked here it's like um you know that tumblr post i was reading you know also mentioned you know george made the prequels not for the gen xers he made it for gen zers and millennials so you know and you know that's probably that's another big reason why you know when you see a lot of people who are don't like the prequels with a few exceptions again don't want to yeah. paint every gen Xer. with yeah. I, mean, I know a few do love the prequels sure. too um but um you know but a lot of them are mm-hmm. the pre. With a lot of people prequel haters i i know they are of that era yeah. age you know like i know i mean the guy i was talking to though who who was who loved rebels and thrawn you know they weren't like a they weren't a prequel hater. They could know they eh, had prequels. They got problems at the films and stuff. But they didn't like mm-hmm. outright despise them. Like how dare it? it's just like ah oh, you know the dialogue and the acting and maybe some story plots could be stronger. But uh, you know but the pre- people who didn't quite get the prequels just fundamentally as well. They're definitely of that age. and They're also kind of you know of Felony and Leslie Headland's age for yeah. sure. Of course, I
0: don't mean, want to make and definitely... Leslie get the prequels. I mean that's true, but I mean, yeah. yeah it's so or
1: or they they get them, but they think they, but this but the argument is they kind of twist them and well, like the I guess we talked about like the Jedi thing, If yeah. we've gone over before. I don't want to rehash old arguments and whatnot, but yeah, you know, certainly kind of interpret things maybe a little differently than what George was going for, mm-hmm. or what even new generations might go
0: for as well. George was was totally the Marty McFly. You're not ready for it, but your kids will love it. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Or I yes, your 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 younger siblings and your cousins, whatever. But there you yeah, go. Yeah, there. Um, all right. So moving on, San Diego Comic Con. Uh, so mentioned on Friday, there was the uh, Lucasfilm Publishing panel, and you know there weren't. It wasn't that much groundbreaking announcements. I mean, they usually save those for celebration. And another uh, city, city Comic Con called New York uh, that I, I will be going to. So yeah, there wasn't that much, but well there was things that stood out to me if i can actually get this i forgot to put these up here uh a few uh a few comic book covers and I'll, I'll start with this one here uh move that away that's of course uh cover of number two shadows of starlight uh who's who's doing the art for that let me just see this here um uh, marica cresta right on. um and of course mr charles soul that's, I mean, and that struck me, of course, because, you know, that's, uh, that would be Elzar with, <laughs> with, uh, Starlight flowing the background. really just evocative of what this short run comic is going to be. It's going to be issues, tracking the year from the fall of Starlight to when we pick up, uh, beginning phase three. Uh, and so just really, yeah, it's really evocative of, you know, we see the past, we see what happened at the end of phase one, Charlie Beacon is, is crumbling, and sinking, but Stone's looking forward. He's standing, trying to move forward about on that rock. I believe that's the one. Oh, no, it's probably Elzar. Sorry. Stellan's dead. Oh, it's Elzar. Uh, and yeah, he's trying to move forward and stand up and has his lightsaber drawn. And yeah, I thought it was very striking. Um, another one, uh, I think the most striking of the two, let's see if we can pop that one up there. This of course is, uh, higher public number one by Kevin Scott, uh, by our, Ario our Ario Um, in this cover, Phil Noto, of course, Phil Noto cover. Um, I'm assuming. And, and what was really interesting. I mean, so you have, you have Kiev with the long hair here, standing up for face forward, uh, ready to take on the galaxy. Is that Tarek or Sarah? We don't know. And Lorna D we don't know if they're, they're in cahoots now or what's happening, but, uh, that but what I found again really striking is how it continues the pattern from phase one the phase one run with uh, with the th- with three characters and at the bottom you have this uh, this frame with this the, the ship or something in the circle it re- I mean both of these covers really speak of and, and give the feel of we are picking up right where we left off this is very much tied in together as we know it would be but uh, really important, helpful visual cues to to see where these characters are and where the situation is. Uh, again, very curious to see if Lorna is uh, working with the Jedi. I mean, after everything she's been through, maybe um, she's not exactly on Marquion's good good side right now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's uh, that that was exciting. And so those sort of to me in Comic Con. I don't know if anything stood out to you from uh from comic-con or any of the, what these covers speak to you
1: no not really although i i think talking about honestly but speak to me now it's the conversation we've been having it's sort of like yeah. it, when high republic phase three ends and how this ends mm-hmm. how aspirational is the ending because again i feel like there's kind of two mindsets with high republic that i've always noticed there is we're we are making this beeline to the prequels mm-hmm. or this storyline is just a storyline. And maybe if you kind of like big picture, we can see like, oh, these things here and there for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's still a standalone storyline at the end of the day. And so you will have a more aspirational ending of like, we did it. You know, it's like, yay, Niel Jedi, yeah. and we won. <laughs> um, you know, where it's like, you know, we're not gonna like, what have we done? You know, it's like dun dun dun. You know, like I think it might be more. This is an aspirational time, and this is an aspirational storyline that can stand on its own. It's like almost a mini-franchise that's just part of a larger
0: universe. We don't know. I'm bringing this up again because I keep bringing this one character up every single time. Um, And I just realized what Keeve Trennis and why she's so important. is. I think it's going to have this grand aspirational... Ending it's gonna be similar, maybe to the ending of Phantom Menace in, in a way. It's gonna have this grand aspirational, happy, we did it ending. But there's this gonna be this undercurrent of and, and it's gonna be more overt, the keeve leaving the order, um, whatever that may look like, or she maybe she because she cause she hadn't hasn't been made a master yet, so uh she hasn't left the order yet, but um definitely on her way out, and there's this sense of all is not right, even if it feels right for so many people. Looks right. She's going to be the one, like Qui Gon, you know, to know, like Ahsoka, ultimately, to know things are not what they ought to be. And uh, yeah, I mean, I to see if there's some sort of lineage there. What kind of her dialogue with Yoda, for example? You know, the Yoda is always able to hold both those. Own, at once I just talked about how he really doesn't in that moment with Anakin. But uh he's able to hold both the sense of uh well the long sense the long sense of history, the long view of history and how things ebb and flow and there's no such thing as a golden age. And so when we do think there are there is, enjoy what is good and right about it, but also be all uh it's not all gonna be uh, a bed of roses in the end. So Keeve, I think, is going to be that that remembrance, that reminder. Uh, just just knowing her story, even if it doesn't necessarily say anything. I mean, it's great that it's a comic book we're going to be able to see on her face. I know Gavin Scott will have notes for Aryo being all, what, her, she has this re- expression on her face, or something to suggest uh, not a fan of this retreat, not a fan of this um, well, I mean, you know, maybe even closer to the end of Attack of the Clones, although that's even more overt, you know, this really triumphalist ending. And you have Bale and you have Yoda. Uh, Bale pounding his fist on the concrete there. And you have Yoda saying, uh, the shadow of the dark Side's fallen, begun the Clone Wars," has. And uh, I wonder if there's going to be this bittersweet note that is always driving us towards. So maybe, Joel, to answer your question, it probably is going to be both the same time
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i'm i'm curious man we got it we got us it. a year to go so let's yeah. let's see
0: yeah let's, i mean we're well, like a year and a half i think like mid 2025 they're really I gonna know. stretch it out thankfully um i know so like, i guess it's yeah. yeah no that's two years it's gonna be i think they're gonna stretch it up for two years thankfully i it's hope month. though
1: yeah. this is kind of thing i've been thinking about though mm-hmm. what's the storyline is over I kind of hope that the authors are allowed to do one-and-done books again, because I've been reading Rise mm-hmm. of the uh, Red Blade, and that's a one-and-done story, but so far, I've been loving it. It's been yeah. great. Uh, so I'm I'm missing the one-and-dones in and maybe some trilogies.
0: Uh, yeah, one-and-dones in Star Wars, specifically, because one-and-dones, if nobody's noticed, this right here is my little Easter egg. So Dom and I each have an Easter egg in the background. Uh, yes. You can't really see Dom's, because it's kind of washed out. in the clear. This right here is the Endless Vessel by Charles Soule, and it's, um, it's it's an independent, standalone, standalone, standalone. It's not in any IP or anything. So they they are they can do it. They do do it, and and they want to, um, yeah, for them to actually explore in the in the sandbox is a great point, uh, for the, the luminous authors to do that too.
1: Yeah, yeah. i i have uh I'll be very curious to see the one and done that come out in the next ten years and so once some of these storylines are over and yeah. kind of we gotta do a little clean house. Ah like uh, one and
0: done's in, in the hierarchical era or just general
1: in general, man. Yeah. Like I feel like Charles Soule has not been allowed to do a one and done novel. Actually I don't think he's ever done a one and done novel for Star Wars outside of High Republic. So I'd love to see no. him get his get I a mean, shot. He, I mean
0: he's also doing the comic run. And, but it's true. So he's he's right. a big guy and man. we know Kevin's doing more like um Tales from the Death Star things like that, but, but I yeah, to really, to I mean, this is sort of a one and done. If I mean, what we, I think maybe Don and I have been talking about this, or somebody, uh, just do a Kiev novel 30 years later, Master Kiev Leaves the Order, what's That's that amazing. about, and, and make that kind of like an epilogue. And we know Charles is writing Quest or, or Trials of the Jedi, the, the final novel to really close the whole thing off.
1: I mean, my my dream, one and done, is when the Mando verse is over and the mm-hmm. Thrawn arc's done, and then yeah. they do like a rides of Snoke novel that like ties in like the Aftermath trilogy to the Mando verse yeah. sequel. And it's kind of just kind of you know, kind of you know, kind of connects the threads that maybe the shows and books don't. And sort of like, yeah hey, we'll do a little clean up, little ironing out, canon yeah. some of the, just kind of you know, you know, just make it a little smoother.
0: Yeah, That's and there's like- only one person to write that novel, in my opinion. <laughs> Uh, also, Tommy Stella. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I Tommy, get, on, get your boss on that. <laughs> yeah. so, I don't know. Who, Joel, who do, you, who do you think should write that book?
1: Which also would be good. Yeah. Adam Christopher did Shadow assist the brilliantly. quite brilliantly. Yeah. Um, and he hasn't done anything in years, but the dream would always be get James Lucino back yeah. for one last round. Be, that's not a bad show. Uh... Um, yeah. I mean, do we think Chuck Wendig... No, yeah, it doesn't seem he, like he's been back in the film for a while. Yeah. Oh, um, well, you uh, know,
0: There might be some generational change over there too. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh fair enough. There's also at San Diego. There's some more reveals about uh the book character encyclopedia that does span all three phases. Also a rebellion reference book, uh some of House Organa. So uh there's a whole write-up on Sandy on, on Star Wars.com. Um we may have guests pop in in there who, who were there just to chat about it, but uh for now, yeah, there just wasn't anything to really to write home about, except for, yeah, I like those covers, so I'm going to show them on <laughs> I'm talking about. Them. Alrighty, do you have any anything more to add about San Diego, or?
1: Nope, that that was it, you know,
0: because of the, the, the Hollywood stuff. Wasn't much going on. So, uh, 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 mostly, I, yeah, say... I feel like
1: Sorry. it's just stuff we kind of already knew about High Republic.
0: Uh, I was there. Was the Outlaws panel, um, and so stay tuned. We are going to—I'll I'll mention that at the end. But th- that is jogging my mind about some things. So uh, I haven't—I need to actually look at the actual panel. But there's some things in there that are uh, kind of curious. about for what we can talk about here at the Ion Cannon Podcast. All right. Speaking of talking about stuff, <laughs> the Ion Cannon Podcast. Uh, we've hinted at it already. Uh, the New Republic. A New Republic. What is this new republic? Uh, I think it's a dumb name. Well, who calls a themselves new the new republic? republic? Who calls themselves the new republic? But uh, you know, it's all like the new democratic I mean, Party. I feel like anyway, in some <laughs> way
1: that's a political. Well, that's a new republic—a name that goes back to 1991's to Tim Zani or the Empire. So, blame you. him for that. Uh-huh.
0: I don't yeah, me. I don't think it's ever. It's some of the Templin Institute needs to hopefully address uh, what kind of dumb name is that? New Republic. Maybe that's not really I don't know. Is is that confirmed that legally that's the name of the institution of the of the the state?
1: I think so. so. I think so. I mean both in legends and canon because sort of like well the new republic's also a magazine. Um too. So uh anyways, uh, uh tell us about uh, the new republic, <laughs> Yes, the new the new republic. Sorry, I've just had like that Freddy Skywalker moment with, like a new empire. Um uh, yeah, so yeah, it is called the New Republic, although they shorthand it for Republic later on it starts being a little less new. But I can kind of see why, it's sort of a political kind of machination of like, hey, we're not the Republic that fell and became the Empire, we're the New Republic. Um, apparently, there's even an ideology called a New Republican, which you mentioned in Andor if I saw. Um, so yeah, so New Republic, you know, it it's, it's rises from the ashes of the Empire, uh, once Mon Mosma adjourns the Senate after Palpatine's dead, because that was always sort of the plan of once Palpatine's dead, we get back the Senate and, you know, we kind of get planets involved.
0: Um, The so, Alliance to Restore the Republic is what it's called.
1: Right. So it is called the Alliance to Restore the Republic. You know, the Rebel Alliance always molds itself as almost a government in exile kind of a situation as Palpatine essentially initiated a coup it's the Republic. Um, uh, I'm sure eventually maybe they, uh, they dropped. It's sort of like, I mean, you know, f- countries like France call themselves the Fifth French Republic. Truth. You know, that's yeah. their official institutional name, the but they just re- call themselves France. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> although that's because France has had a lot of republics. Um, yeah,
0: but that's a good parallel, though. I mean, yeah.
1: yeah you really want to rem-
0: French- remember the Fourth and the Third and so, I don't know. Much well, they really fourth <laughs> was that, law,
1: that gave up yeah. after World War II. Mm-hmm. Third was had Napoleon III yeah. before he became emperor, yeah. So you uh, you
0: really want to remember the third republic? <laughs> no, no,
1: no, that was the third was after Napoleon, like, okay. I think. forget. Uh, anyway. fourth was after World War II. Um, yeah,
0: I know the fourth was a peaceful, peaceful transition between that, and they just de Gaulle wanted to change the constitution. So anyway, that's right. a tangent. No, like, New Republic. But, no, sorry.
1: but yeah, you know, I think that's all the reason why they come up the new Republic is how much of, I mean, that's one thing we don't know how much of that old Republic constitution mm-hmm. that they just dust off, change the name. Okay. Emperor back to chancellor. And right. then here you go. Install. Do, 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 do Um, our new system back yeah. online. Uh, we'll oh, get there. So, we keep going. <laughs> let's see. What's I'm trying to think of where to start. So, you know, um New Republican story. Let's talk about New Republican stories. Um I keep saying New Republican. New Republic in stories. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, the trajectory of the New Republic kind of is one of those things where I talk about canon responsibility, if that should be a thing. I don't know. There's a debate mm-hmm. on that for sure. Of yeah, Force Awakens very much affects New Republic stories now and forever. uh yeah. because um, uh in Force Awakens they go kablooey um yeah. they they exploded because they didn't think the first order was a big deal they just thought oh look at the guys dressing up them stormtroopers they're just silly 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 crazy people who like to dress up as stormtroopers <laughs> we don't need take them seriously yeah. and then they have this giant cosplay that, cosplay fascists <laughs> cosplay fascists who have a secret <laughs> weapon that will destroy us all and secret fleets of doom um So, kind of there, you know, Bloodline's the first one to kind of um, institute kind of why the New Republic was the way it was. Um, Which is kind of interesting Mm -hmm. because I've been thinking about this and Bloodline and Mandoverse kind of are taking very drastic different approaches, Mm -hmm. which I can think can be reconciled. I don't think it's irreconcilable, but sort of like Bloodline plays it as Empire Fall, the year after Endor, and yeah. New Republic is so successful, there's there's so much peace that they get a little too, eh, we did it, boys. We did it. Yep. Yeah, We don't need to worry about yeah. Galaxy. Like, we, we, we did it. We, we're, <laughs> there's some good times. 20, 20, 30 years of good times. <laughs> um, then, Mandoverse kind of is playing. It's like, New Republic is having trouble controlling systems. You got pirate nations and warlords and <laughs> hmm. independent sectors. Um, and I guess you can play it off as kind of, oh, this is the early years, it still technically is, and then later on they get, get their footing, and it's like, okay, we got some good time once, yeah. mage, once Thrawn's gone eventually and stuff. Um, so That could be I mean, just
0: a thought. I mean, that could be the big turning point is we finally yeah. really did it. We got rid of Thrawn. Um, but also, you do see, I mean, you see that tension already. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the thing is the Mandoverse is just looking in a different direction, looking in a different part of the galaxy. I want to see Ahsoka uh, with Mom Mothma and uh, oh, what's his
1: name?
0: Uh, Carson Tiva. No. Well, I mean, Carson Tiva is, is, is getting to my point, but um, the, the dad, the Hosnian Senator, what's his name? Oh yeah. Yeah. Ziona. Yeah, the... um, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I want to see them, have that kind of attitude of yeah we kind of, we kind of did it we're, we're we're doing what we can and we're doing great at what we can do and that I want to but see Here is
1: definitely going to have that moment for sure it seems like in the trailer Yeah
0: and then what I mean what Carson Teva really represents I mean, is is this I mean what I really wanted to see in Rangers with Rangers of the New Republic for example is this Leia type of contact where I mean we saw it in, in that in that moment with with Carson and uh, what's her face? Um, oh no, with uh, oh no, I'm I'm completely blanking on her name because she's not in the series anymore because she got canceled. She got didn't wasn't able to read the room. But um, uh, you, oh yeah, Carson, yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Cara Dune Cara Dune. Cara Dune yeah Carson and Cara Dune. You know, um, he's saying okay, there's a threat out here. People aren't taking it seriously, and and I do uh, I do think I mean we saw it again in season three a little bit, but. I mean, um, it and
1: yeah. Carson Teva seems think to be going to be buddy buddies next season.
0: Yeah, so but, that that'll be an interesting thing. But yeah, we we definitely, uh, yeah, it's a it's a bigger galaxy now that the Empire is gone. Uh, is is part of it too? So anyway, sorry. Go right?
1: Ahead. No, going. yeah, right. It is it is a bigger galaxy. I'm actually kind of curious how much Mom moss was actually going to be in the show because I was, was another thing we talked about on the main yeah. podcast last week. It's like she talks about Jamie O'Reilly. I was going to say Mom Mothma, but I know Jennifer O'Reilly is going to be like, uh, you know, oh, it was nice that John and Dave wanted me to join in for a little bit in their Mando And yeah. The way she said it's like, it's doesn't sound like she's in, that sh- in the show that much compared to Andor. Sure. Uh, yeah. Probably cameo, maybe a scene or two. Probably at best, that one scene. I mean, I hope maybe for a little more, but at mm-hmm. best, probably that one scene of like, oh, yeah, we can't do much for you, Hera. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, So, yeah, you know, uh, that is something that um, just storytelling-wise is interesting. Um, We don't have a lot of New Republic characters. I mean, we're getting them now. We get Carson. Mm -hmm. I guess Ahsoka technically we have Hera because he's definitely in charge. Yeah. Um, So we got Zeb. Zeb's technically a New Republic character. Although Zeb wasn't really doing much. We saw him
0: for two seconds. And for a second, I couldn't
1: even recognize him. (laughs) I know um although he integrated quite well um so you know we are finally getting more point new republic characters (laughs) um which you know i think in some ways is equivalent to a lot of star wars storytelling where i think for the most part it's always been more less if star wars is the institution and the underdogs it's sort of like Mm -hmm. you know even when the institutions aren't evil like the empire um always more like and this is always going kind to of be the case where it's like you got the good characters like carson Tiva and Hera and car doom where it's like they're the helpful ones mm-hmm. and then you get rando bureaucrat number 100 who's kind of just i'm just doing my job i don't, right. have, I don't have time or even when you got more powerful characters like in legends it was always admiral akbar He's one of the good, he's good. So he can, he's kind of the only person who can do anything right. And then when some other military commander is like, he's not Admiral <laughs> No, he's not, he's not saying it's trap. He's leading us into traps. What's going on? <laughs> you know, it's, you know, yeah. Star Trek is an example. It's sort of like, oh, those no good admirals, they're keeping Captain Kirk from dealing with Captain Kirk. Incompetent Captain-
0: Commodores, incompetent yeah. Commodores. <laughs> only, only
1: Captain Kirk and the crew know what's going yeah, on. It's funny. Um, so yeah you mm-hmm. know it is it's just something that's always sort of been there mm-hmm. um and i think they definitely mandoverse has played with that but also because mandoverse is not a political show it's not a political drop you it's just well the mandalorianism but and ahsoka probably won't be either I'd man so it's probably more samurai mm-hmm. True. Mm, kind of adventure mysticism where it's just kind of like the New Republic's only there because Harry's kind of like, hey, help us out. And New Republic's like, yeah, yeah, we, we, a TIE fighter is not a problem. <laughs> wrong? It's like, but yeah. yeah. So, you know, it is again that thing of like mm-hmm. New Republic has been affected by the choices of Force Awakens in the sequels and kind of mm-hmm. this is where we talk about if we want to honor canon, then we have yeah. to deal with the consequences. Uh, do you want to step in?
0: I've sort of yeah. So you. a few thoughts there, and, and and the thought of how to reconcile this discrepancy, if you will. Um, I mean, what what bloodline really <laughs> flushes up with Claudia Gray, standalone novel by a high republic by the way, <laughs> which Very good I want to see her do more more standalone novels because she's the best. Um, lost stars too. Yeah. Awesome. That, yeah. There we go. Um, what what that really sets up is uh, this this sense of when just in crafting this new constitution, very strong sense of, Oh no, we do not want to do what the empire did. We do not want to have a standing army. We do not want to have such strong executive power. We need to have, uh, a lot more, a lot more of it in check by the legislature, basically a parliament, uh, at that point. And, you know, it's not the chancellor. It's the first Senator, uh, you know, and there's a separate election for it. And that's, uh, you know, and Leia's running for that. But uh, the here's, I mean, here's where that shakes out. Is there's this this populist party that is small government. Actually, it's it's uh, you know, and Leia and Ma Mothma are part of the populist party. They're not called parties; they're factions um, that are saying more localized, planetary, subsidiary, uh, subsidiarity. Is that the word? Yeah. Is is this this uh, idea in a lot of social Thought about uh, and, and Catholic social teaching as well about local focus and let local people make the make the decisions that affect them most, mm-hmm. um, and say you know we're not going to have such strong central authority and strong executive authority. And then you have the centrists uh, like uh, Ransom Casterfo, who looks at the empire and says, "Well, at least they, they were organized and they were efficient." I'm not actually good
1: empire, a good yeah.
0: Well well no, like he's honest about how they aren't and ends up being a very close ally to Leia. But then you have someone like Clary City, right? Who is yeah. full on starting the first order and, and goes out into the end or the, the, the Amexine station and all that stuff. Um you know, not at all afraid of reco- recovering what happened with the Empire, and so that in there is I mean, what we're seeing here with with the New Republic being so hesitant to respond, yeah, in part it's a, a lack of will, similar to Keith Trennis fighting It's the lack of will that she encounters centuries before. Um, to kind of lack of will, the 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 concern, you know, when in Rogue One, where you know the the news of the Death Star. And, and so the you know the Death Star. How could we fight against this thing? We can't go. And then it takes Jin and then uh, Admiral Radis and them to go. There's a similar theme, right, with Leia and Poe Dameron and, and uh, them leaving to form the Resistance. This, there, there, it, it's a little more complicated when you think, oh yeah, there there was this Empire, <laughs> and this 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 is the Sith guy, and he raised the Grand Army of the Republic. And that has never gone well for the galaxy. The Grand Army of the Republic has never gone well for the galaxy. And uh, clearly this is what happened. And so even in uh, even going to the Battle of Jakku, there was, I mean, Maumothma wanted to mobilize a fleet to uh, to take out the remaining the Imperial remnant who had been left behind at Jakku. And this is, again, Chuck Wendig's novel. And uh, it took two or three votes in the Senate to actually uh, authorize this fleet to be this temporary fleet to be raised to go and fight this battle. And, uh, you know, it, it it just exemplifies this extreme caution, extreme concern over, um, being bound too much to, uh, well, I mean, it kind of goes back to really what Star Wars is. It's, it's the people in the institution. This is the difference. It's the people in the institution who are questioning the efficacy of the institution. And so they want to make sure it's not overstepping it because, you know, the, there's the fears once you give too much to it uh, w- without the promises of subsidiarity. And that's that's the big question, you know. And, and I call myself a bad social democrat here because, um, you know, once we let state institutions just dictate everything and regulate everything and um, organize and be be the, be the source for everything um, <clears throat> you know bureaucracy becomes what becomes the source of, of our well-being that's the concern and so to say no bureaucracy is good for coordination for standards for uh, taking on corporations that don't meet those standards but uh, you know corporations are not Going to care about local communities either they're going to be caring about their profits and expansion and so for it's all well and good if, if a state institution is willing to uh, ensure the well-being of communities on the ground you have to do that by listening to the stakeholders and communities on the ground and not by having these one-size-fits-all one solutions that large bureaucracies like to have and so i think there's a very strong especially militarized bureaucracies that want to have a, a standing army and so there's this yeah yeah especially this this reticence to say no we're not the empire we're not going to do that maybe this is the self congratulation thing we're not the empire we're not going to do that we're going to uh, look inside do what we can um, shore up our resources and you know the thing I keep coming back to in Bloodline or not Bloodline, Life Debt with Mon Mothma and Leia. Leia wants to go out and uh, basically take guerrilla action uh, against, uh, I forget who, but have that kind of loose organization that the Rebellion had. And Mon Mothma says, this isn't a rebellion anymore. We're forming a government. (laughs) And uh, I keep coming back to that because it raises the the issue of what this new stage is and what this newfound freedom has become with this government on Chandrilla that is actually able to maybe uh, do some good for the galaxy and you know, bring out some democracy, it, it is ultimately inept, and that is the tension that uh, leads, of course, to to its own destruction. But yeah, it, it you know it's understandable, and, and Claudia Gray, especially Chuck Wendig, especially do a good job of fleshing all that out.
1: Yeah, I think what's interesting – I always find it sort of funny. Someone made a joke about Bloodline yeah. where it's like you have the populist and the centrist and the centrist side with the fascist. It's like, ooh, what are you trying to say there? Yeah. Um, centrist side with fascist. Um,
0: Which uh, isn't necessarily true. I mean that's the thing is centrists could be – I mean you could be both, right? And that's the thing. funny thing with Star Wars. The centrists could be fascists or they could be social democrats. And, you know, <laughs> I mean you get Ransom Kisterfo. He probably is more of a social democrat. And I found I find myself empathizing with him and, sympath- and, and kind of seeing his point. Uh, not Clarison, but anyway.
1: <laughs> I actually do wonder how many of those centrist planets actually did succeed to the First Order. Because I feel like not a lot of them did at the end of the day. Right. Uh, and I've always read source books that said, no, not a lot of them actually did. Um, what were they getting at? I also find it funny about the populist thing and like local governments um, where it's not a True equivalent to states' rights because you know, states' rights do what? Um, right, but I do feel like Leia is not just planet's rights, plants' right to do what? You know, right. you know what I'm saying? Uh, like certain America's states' rights, a state, Florida's right to do what, essentially. Like, I think she'd be like, No, plants just don't have the right to do whatever they want, they mm-hmm. should also be democratized as well. I mean, the um,
0: closer equivalent there is is Cities' rights, you know, it's Houston's right to have green energy when the state of texas doesn't let them or whatever you know bring that up you know it's it's,
1: start doing some shady stuff too or banning they do that's
0: true but it's you know you know if a a city wants to desegregate and uh you know and then but the state isn't letting them or business wants to desegregate and the state isn't letting them uh then the interstate commerce clause the commerce clause comes in and says no wait a minute you have to desegregate. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, but I, I definitely see I mean that, that's the classic example, right? Is is right. Uh, with JFK and the Commerce Clause and <laughs> the horse. <being laughs> so Yeah, I know my American history. Right. There we go. <laughs> I know a little bit.
1: <laughs> um but you know you're right. You know, the whole thing about the new republic mm-hmm. um especially more bestly in Legends more and I think this is because of the prequels because again in Legends we had because in the New Republican Legends, yeah, we had definitely a lot of those stories of like, you know, rebellion kind of learning to be a government. But also like now it's coming with those sorts of challenges or like mm-hmm. you get more characters in the New Republic faction who are like, wait a minute, you're not just good. You're just kind of out for your own power. You know, you're trying to backstab Ackbar to get his job. Right. So like what's, what's going on here? You know, you thought we were all the good guys um, because we all worked for the same good guy faction uh magically that's a, that's a that's a kind of a that's kind of a side plot of like mm-hmm. there's some political intrigue in the new republic during the thrawn campaign and thrawn kind of using that to his advantage in the book um but um yeah in the in in the aftermath of this because we have the prequels you know i think um new republic very much is cautious of like yeah we don't want to be like the empire we know we don't want to you know having that mil- demilitarizing is should be step one because mm-hmm. that's that's what got us into this trouble in the first place you know see so you could make a really good argument that the republic truly died the minute the clone army came into position that's sort of the end of attack of the clone where you hear the yeah. imperial march and everyone's just kind of looking and bale's like
0: damn it yeah. <laughs> that's what i <laughs> was referring to you know, uh, minutes ago right
1: right you know uh you know, even if the clones themselves, you know, became more heroic and whatnot, it's still like, oh, shoot, We took the we took the next we took the step. But uh, they're a
0: violent army that kills things. I mean, they, yeah. they, you know, ask a separatist of the clones heroes. <laughs> Count Dooku was a visionary. <laughs>
1: uh, exactly. Um, although, you know, in in a weird way, I feel like, I'd be fair. This is because we don't know a lot. Um, yeah. We almost overemphasize the idea of like the republic just got rid of its military i feel like new republic even just by ahsoka and even by hux's speech of like there is a fleet and i do think that fleet if one-on-one against the the first order could have the republic could have defended itself and my also wanted to build defense you know local defenses as well you know like Mm. mini army for every planet um which i guess is sort of inspired by the high republic yeah. And there's also some source books that kind of flesh out the sequel era that say that's a, that's that's why you know we had that fleet come to Exegol. Like there was a lot of local defense forces that just sort of yeah. stepped in and kind of gathered around and unified and the first order. But um, I mean, but that's just,
0: just it though. Is there are all these local planetary defenses? The New Republic fleet. Or there's a handful of ships hanging around. True, but
1: that so, does yeah. mean Mon Mothma was right. Cause that saved the day, yeah. At the end of the day, um, uh, and also remember the first order only ruled the galaxy for one year, so True. not that impressive. Your, your comeback scheme Palpatine, wasn't that impressive, you only took over for one year, you had 30 years last time. What happened then? Yeah. Um, but you know, well, what happened? Were,
0: yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe she's right. What happened? There wasn't a standing armor for him to take advantage of, uh, but also he. Presumed in people's self interest and fear, and that just didn't happen,
1: yeah. So, so you know, I new Republic, the Republic first, war didn't really have much of a leg, it's kind of hollow at the end of mm-hmm. the day, and it's kind of won by Blitzkrieg. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's that. So, you know, we talk about the failure of the new Republic, got destroyed, but what mm-hmm. replaced it only lasted a year, so yeah. kind of. And who knows what's going to happen? Anyway, you know, we don't know what's going to happen next. For all we know, um, so, uh, that's that's for the next set of storytellers or story group to kind of figure out, and who knows what they fleshed out. I mean,
0: it, it's going to be. I think it's exciting. It's going to be even more local.
1: Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, all I the mean, institutions I mean, are gone. Right. So it'll be yeah. very interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, we they're definitely a fleet. You know, we see it in these docu trailer. There's a pretty good chunk seat. You know, there's mm-hmm. the Montcala thing so yeah uh ultimately you know uh, i do think my mom had the right made the right calls yeah um so let's let's talk about something that i i do know about the new republic though Mm -hmm. and it's something i've been thinking about a lot about the rebel alliance that the last great rebel organization in the galaxy pre the rebel alliance were the separatists they were the largest, most organized. I mean, they mm-hmm. had businesses to help them. So you know, you know, counter republic group ever. And you know, for every Count Dooku and the separatist leadership, I'm sure there were lots of genuine people who were like, yeah, this darn, this darn core republic, let's let's kick its butt. <laughs> um, but I found what's interesting about the, when the Rebel Alliance is kind of fully formed. And most of the main rebel cells, they're all Republic people, at the mm. end of the day, or ex-Imperials, yeah. right? Like Momoth was a senator, Bail Organa was a senator, Draven and Dodana—they were Republic slash Imperial people. Because mm. obviously, if you're if you're an re- Imperial officer, there's a good chance you probably were a Republic officer too. Um, you had, you know, even Saw gerrera like he had no love for the separatists. So I do think he it's kind was of interesting. brought up
0: as an anti-separatist, right?
1: Yeah, you know. Um, so I do think it's interesting that we—I mean—we haven't seen anything go deep into it. I would love to see it. Of like, how did Mothma and her ilk try to kind of keep the kind of like, hey, we we know separatists. We're not the Empire. We get we got we understand your plight, and we're not you're the the you know we're not the separatist um but we're not not the empire so we want to help want to integrate you know mom awesome another thing she very much did not want plants to join in by force. you know it's like hey if you don't want to join you know don't join you know even Mm -hmm. ryloth is like an independent planet they're not going to force navarro to join either like hey you do you but i do wonder it's like yeah a rebel alliance that is mostly republic people or just in general, you know, like, I do wonder, like, was there anyone in Republic High Command that was, you know, arguments like, a Count Dooku was the best rebel leader we had. If Count Dooku were Rebel, <laughs>
0: Count things, Dooku and, was a visionary.
1: Yeah, <laughs> if general Grievous were in charge. He kicked yeah. kick some of the stormtroopers to the hill. Hmm. And, you know, most of the people fought Count Dooku and the Separatists, even... Even radicals like Saw, who would do yeah. some stingy things, were like, nah, I, I still hate Count Dooku too." Um, yeah. So that's something I think
0: about as well. I mean, part of the problem there is an out of universe thing of the good guys in during the Clone Wars. You know, they the the Republic, and so we want to continue that. I mean, that's that's Saw's whole thing. We're cheering for his his. We're cheering for the that group and Stila and. Everything Anakin and Obi-Wan are training them to do. And then, of course, we gotta keep cheering for Saw until we don't. But yeah, that's a good question. I mean, uh, especially because that's the thing, there's always going to be folks out there who who just any kind of thing called a republic, any kind of institution, central thing, mm-hmm. you know, Chandrilla, Coruscant, Ozzy, and Prime doesn't matter. I mean, the republic has a presence on Coruscant, clearly. <laughs> they have they control Coruscant by uh the time of the Mendoverse, the people are just right. not going to be interested in that. Um, so I mean, that's another thing why there's this c- continuity throughout. I mean, going back to the Nile and going back to what Leslie Helen is saying, and um, yeah, I it, who knows how many of them end up giving up well, not giving up, but saying, Oh, recognize me, right? This, this is something different. Something new. I mean, there's lots of room to play in that. And there's lots of, you know, that would be really interesting Claudia Gray story to see how much of the populists were separatists that realized, okay, we can do better if we actually join this republic thing. But if we can make sure we can preserve our planet's uh, independence and, you know, the right to decide for ourselves what to do. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I guess what we're hitting on is, is we don't know enough. But,
1: and actually uh, you brought up a great point and it's something I think about. Um, this is something I think actually Star Trek did a little bit better in terms of what the Federation is versus the new Republic. Although mm -hmm. I think the new Republic also does this in certain stories, just doesn't always do it consistently of, is it like a European union thing where you can join, but you gotta have our shared values. Cause like in legends, and I guess even in Canada, I guess to a certain extent, Mm -hmm. um, you know. Coruscant was pretty pro-imperial world by the end. I mean, see, Coruscant's kind of messed up. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, um, when you get these different plans, you get these different values. Um, mm-hmm. In Legends, when the Galactic Alliance came, or just the New Republic would be made, more imper- old imperial worlds, because there was more of a distinction of an imperial world. Like, oh, yeah, these guys are like, you know, they are very much in the Empire. Mm-hmm. You know, you get these senators now during the New Republic Senate they are like, you know, Ah, uh, them dating alien wookies stealing our gerbs. Um, right. you know, I you know, but you know, back in the olden days, if it's you know, Changilla and Moncala and Alderon, mm-hmm. the, the asteroid of Alderon uh, by Port Leia, um, uh, you know, yeah. these are plants that have these kind of more egalitarian democratic values. Although I guess Changilla these days is kind of a bit more um, you know, a little more uh, interesting, at least according to Andor. Um although
0: mm-hmm. well, that's said uh, earlier too, but
1: that's true but you know or you know maybe you know so it's all like i also wonder Mm -hmm. but also i also wonder in terms of like the way can setting up the whole fall of the empire the people aren't just you know taking out the empire they're taking out the local leaders the local you know it's like you know historically these big empires wouldn't just they install their governors but they make deals with local chiefs who would be willing to like you know Mm -hmm. completely trample on their own people and stab people in the back puppets So, you know, these normally democratic planets overthrow their local leaderships that are only legitimate because of the empire and then kind of restore their more valued leadership back on Mm -hmm. the power. So I do wonder if planets that were, I guess I'd say asking is like Star Trek is, do you think, I wonder how, I would love to see if there's like a commonality Mm -hmm. of values new Republic planets need to have before joining Mm -hmm. or is it just kind of like, uh, well, anyone can join. It's an economic thing. You get your benefits and you get protection.
0: Yeah.
1: Kind of a so you get many, to be friends are, with benefits. <laughs> <laughs> friends with benefits <laughs> and pocket money. Uh, yeah. you know, and no. you know, it doesn't matter that you are the supreme dictator of the planet, planet, planet. Um, you can <laughs> join your senator can be part of the Senate. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I'm just kind of curious, Matthew. You...
0: Well, so where my mind goes then back to is what we see the difference between the Vandoverse and Bloodline, uh, for example, is the the Republic is actually, it's just a lot smaller than the Empire. It's a lot smaller than the late Republic. Um, it's probably smaller than the higher Republic, because they've, I mean, they're just starting something new and starting out, and yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, we don't know, but we, if Momotha says it's voluntary membership, um, what we see, for example, in *Princess and the Scoundrel*, is Leia having to go to these planets and say, "Can you please join us? Can you come on board? Can we have your resources? We'll we'll trade, and it'll be you know it'll yeah it'll be this economic arrangement um, with the with it needing to have the, the this regulation in terms of of democratic norms as well, but um, yeah, she has to convince, and not everyone's going to be convinced, and some people are it's the people who are convinced um, are meant to be there and want to be there uh and are willing to buy in literally and otherwise
1: yeah it, it is i mean it,
0: again it comes down to it's both again but yeah i mean i i can imagine at least for the a good sense good chunk of the time probably even for the for most of it uh there is this voluntary association. Again, I think it's this unique situation where uh, well, here here's the parallel, right? Um And and Joel, you might quibble on that parallel, but the empire was so horrific that it jolts people into a sense of moral courage afterwards and saying, okay, we're actually going to support these democratic norms and support commons, common norms of international law and cooperation and both economic as well as labor standards and uh, environmental standards and uh, having this Security Council where we regulate and say, no, you actually can't go invade this other planet. <laughs> you know, that's uh, the peril of the UN, right? And, and after World War II, especially. And but we, um, try. we try. Yeah, we try. And that's just it, is we're coming, we're we're, we're twice the time frame, after the un uh founding as, as as you know the the first order coming in with the the at the new republic so you know i mean for a good uh good you know, you know the un had a good run <laughs> and it, it, there's still a lot it does a lot well and there's still you know there's still a sense of international cooperation among frankly among wealthier western countries um and so, maybe there's the parallel that all the core planets, yeah, they're all hung gung ho for democracy and for the new republic. Um, but you know, you know, and some of them are debating okay, do we develop the outer rim? Do we develop it, uh, for what end to so that we can have access to the resources? Kind of like the Marshall Plan, you know, was that kind of both, both tit for tat and exporting democracy, or you know, is it are we gonna? Developments have access to exploit or just ignore it. Again, part of the problem is what Mothra is dealing with her, is the limits. Is just there isn't, you know, if it would be so easy, so much easier to command a legion of stormtroopers to go and invade this planet and take the resources and force them to be part of this democratic institution, but then that would defeat the purpose. Um, you know, something like kind of. Give brings back to Dooku in in Tales of the Jedi, you know how he goes against the you know there's clearly there's this corrupt townsperson, the corrupt senator, and Dooku goes against the Jedi code and the morality of the Jedi in order to force this guy down, and and Qui Gon is having none of it. Um, Padawan Qui Gon, what can he do? I guess he's an, is he a newly knight. Padawan Qui Gon what can he do? But he has, he's having none of it. Uh, Similar type of thing in a larger scale, I can imagine. So is that, that gets me to thinking though. And this is something I have thought of quite a bit. Uh, We see in the high Republic, the presence of the Jedi and how important they are and how, you know, it's not like they're beholden to the Republic, but there's just this much, I mean, this is the before image. There's clearly much stronger cooperation but also clearly people want that and people want you know i'm trying not to get on a soapbox here but people people believe in the force (laughs) you know um and if you believe in the force uh you know and in your your, if you believe in the force and you're in in the core world that means you trust the jedi um for better and for worse right i mean that's the the parallel with with you know, most of European history, right? If you if you believe in God, you trust in the church. Um, even if you're you're the king, especially if you're the king, or whoever, um, you know, local baron, or, or any any kind of people of any kind of class. Um, yeah, and that there was the sense of of the monasteries holding society together in, in that way and gathering people and calling them to a higher moral standard, whether or not they followed themselves, whether or not that was at all effective. Mm-hmm. Where are the Jedi in the New Republic, and that's that's the thing. I mean, I wonder. I mean, we did. You know, I mean, where where they are is the legend of Luke Skywalker. Uh, is you know this kind? Of, I mean, they've been wiped out. But where's where's the movement? What what? I mean, it's almost the tragedy of Luke going off and doing his own thing, and, and that's the thing that comes out in. Um, it, it's not in Shadow of the Sith. I mean, it's in. Uh, when or it, no, it's in in Princess and the Scoundrel when, when Luke is trying to sort out what is what his involvement in this new Republic is going to be. There is an opportunity there for I mean Leia as well, but for the wisdom of the Force to actually uh, guide events more explicitly. The way you know the way Chancellor So would go to the Jedi Council and say, you know, what are you going to do here? What are you guys going to do? Uh, You know, again, that's well, problematic and, and complicated. But I think, in the smaller scale of Luke, Leia, and 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 Mon Mothma, I think there might have been uh, might have been an opportunity or something. And so,
1: well, there's, there's an interesting to use legends as sort of the example. You know, mm-hmm. in Dark Empire, we talking about this on our podcast. Um, yeah, it, where you know, in Dark Empire, you know, it's only five years when Palpatine comes back and pretty much does the new republic what the first order does that mm-hmm. you know leadership lives you know mama is still alive and a lot of those cats are still alive but uh you know where basically he just takes back the galaxy uh you know mm-hmm. palpatine's all like you know without the jedi you know the republic can't defend itself you know and then by mm-hmm. the end of palpatine's defeat looks like you know all right time to get to work i'm gonna really do it. i'm gonna rebuild the jedi order um mm-hmm. And in canon, at least, it seems like Luke's certainly taking his sweet time rebuilding the <laughs> Jedi Order. Yeah. Um True. And the weird thing, and the thing I don't quite understand about mm-hmm. Luke's motivation is, you know, at least in Legends, it happened a little quicker because Luke was like, hey, you know, you're, you're, you're 20, but you got, you got fourth powers. Yeah, hey, you want to you join my Jedi? Hey, J, mm-hmm. you, you, you know how to use a lightsaber and that stuff. Uh, want to join my Jedi Order? We're going to go to Yavin because that's the fun. <laughs> you know, he's not just, like, waiting yeah. for, like, birds. He's just like, hey, that's the force user. Want My mom, to want to join? Cal, you know, he's not like, like, hey, you you, survived the purge. Want to rejoin the order? You know, order yeah. back. Um, just take just... whoever, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's sort of like that's yeah. how he got from, like, at least one, two, technically, because Leia was a little more into the training, um, to, like, 20, and then, you know, he had his niece and nephew to help out eventually, and, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, hey, pick up any, Force-sensitive strangler, you can find. Bring them all here. Uh, we can at least get to a hundred at our height. Um, mm. Luke's Jedi Order never got to like ten thousand, but you know, a hundred's good. To help get along. One um,
0: hundred Jedi—that's a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, and yeah. you know, Momasma awesome very much was like, "Yeah, Luke, we, we, you know, we we, we want to help reach yeah. the Jedi Order too." Um, so uh, that is that is something. Canon's very much stretching out in terms mm-hmm. of Luke's. Academy didn't seem to really get yeah. its footing until 20 years later, um, and even then, it seemed like there were only 20 Jedi mm-hmm. at best, and they were all Padawans. I don't know if Luke had any like adult Force users helping him out. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. the red it where they say Luke had more people than we realized, and you know, wasn't the total wipeout. Mm-hmm. Um, total wipeout. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just sort of. Yeah that is sort of interesting. It's like right now there is only one Jedi around that's mm-hmm. Luke. And I, I guess he wants to be more cautious in terms of starting a yeah. Jedi order for sure. Um,
0: I mean, what I wonder is, and they'd need to, someone would need to be thinking about this and actually write that story is to say, uh, the, the distrust of the Jedi during the clone wars that developed during the clone wars, that stuck. Um, you know, that and, and that, that then become this this old memory, this foggy memory of this thing that happened back then. Um, you know, kind of the way, way a lot of Western Christianity is today. You know, that's that is how it is. Um you know, not so much distrust and hatred, but it's just irrelevance and apathy. And and maybe that's closer to what canon is is pushing at and driving at. I want to see a story that really grapples with maybe maybe Ahsoka will. Maybe that's the story that really grapples with um, what what does it mean for there to be a Republic without the Jedi? And, and why why is that desirable and why is that wanted? Uh, why does there just not seem to be an interest in even Ahsoka wrestling with reforming the order for herself? We must begin again or not. Um. You know, having that influence. I mean, that's Luke in The Last Jedi, and he's definitely completely there. He distrusts the Order, and he is one. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, there's that, but I just, I want to see someone take that question ser- more seriously, directly tackle it head on, and not just assume because I'm concerned again, I, I, I keep bringing this up, I'm concerned, you know, you can tell a story of people's perspective Jedi were 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 corrupt and wayward and did not um, ultimately failed in their mission to uphold peace and justice in the galaxy. You can tell that story, but tell it with some nuance and some in-depth questioning and more realism than simply that they're the villains. uh, Clearly. I mean, that's, that's Ray's arc is realizing this is kind of what Luke has has built up in his own mind for the last number of years and so, I mean, that's that's the thing is another place that question could be answered is Ray reflecting on learning I, the past few decades, sort of, you know, and saying, back, okay, well, in my new community, we are going to be more present in the galaxy. I don't know.
1: I always found that sort of the big thing about why I love Ron Johnson, why I think he got George Lucas better than most yeah. because like, Luke Skywalker is, to go back to some of our previous conversation, Luke mm-hmm. Skywalker is that Gen Xer who kind of took the, yeah. the Jedi are the problem. Uh, and at the end of the day, they're like, the movie comes down very much. They're like, no, Luke, you're just complaining. Stop <laughs> whining. <laughs> stop whining and stop being nihilistic Gen Xer. Yeah. Uh, i sorry, Gen Xer, that you're out there listening. I, I don't want to pick you all with a, with a brush. But it's sort of it's sort mm-hmm. true. It's like Luke Skywalker very much is yeah. is that kind of character. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of generational, like, like you know, there's the joke of like, you know, the reason why, you know, the joke is, oh, the reason Luke feel that way because he saw the prequels, and that's the conclusion he, <laughs> he came to. Saw here. the prequels, um, <laughs> and you know, and ultimately, you know, if you pay attention to the movie, like the movies, like, no, Luke, you're you wrong. You got you you missed you routed the prequels wrong, and Ray I was going to say uh-huh.
0: he had Dave Filoni walk him through the prequels. Filoni had uh, had to say in, in what happened <clears throat> in, in Last Jedi, right? Um, I don't
1: think so. I just think he was there to learn directly. Okay. I don't think but he was. Like, around,
0: and not that Felony gets believes that either about the Jedi, but he he ain't, goes in that direction a little
1: bit. I definitely think Ryan Johnson understood what Lucas was getting. Yes, the probably there the most. That's
0: what I said. guys. Just putting that out there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but um, no, you know, yeah, I I very much am kind of curious and that's why you know i love luke skywalker's thing it's just like why did he take so long you know like why is he kind of you know did he let adults join is he only training kids like george was talking about in his version of like oh, you know let's kind of find them jedi babies <laughs> uh, maybe and you know like and where are the at least there's got to be a hundred order 66 survivors if there are ten thousand jedi yeah. and 99 percent of them are wiped out by the time of return of the jedi it still leaves 100. And yeah, it's a big galaxy. If you want to treat it like a big galaxy, sure. Mm-hmm. They're probably scattered everywhere, but.
0: And some have you know, completely once, given up. But.
1: But once the Empire is officially gone, you don't think mm-hmm. some might come out of the woodworks and, like, yeah. are, are, are we safe? Or they're going to inquisitor at the back of my. And it was like, yeah. You know, it's like, or it's like they would hear whisper. Like, and then they either. Well, you know, two more or two things. Either they hear whispers of Luke Skywalker and you know old lady re was like, Oh my god, a skywalker, run for the hills. Um yeah. <laughs> last time a skywalker got involved with, wasn't good for any of us. True. Um, or you know, they're just like, What's the heck is going on here? <laughs> what what's this Luke kid doing? Um yeah. did they help out, you know? And, and
0: he, uh, Ahsoka, we, we were over Ahsoka, she was great.
1: <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I mean Ahsoka knows about Luke's praxium in making He yeah. she doesn't want to help out, but she knows yeah. about it. Um she clearly yeah. got some issues with the beam that she gotta work for work through apparently. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, you know what, what what is going on with the New Republic and the Jedi during Luke's yeah. entire run? I mean, obviously the New Republic's like Jedi ban. Um, and obviously even in Legends they didn't set up a temple on Coruscant. That's mm-hmm. because they didn't know Coruscant had a temple or that was even a thing back right. then. So there's the outer universe reason, but you know, Luke in in canon you know it's like i'm going to set it here on uh a different planet
0: yes yeah, uh, i stuff.
1: forget what the planet was it's dark empire planet too oh Os, also so yeah also yeah osis so
0: um yeah i mean it's symbolic right i mean it's also symbolic of the jedi not having pretensions to power right there's that i mean and that's part of the again the 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 recollect the recognition that jedi pretensions to power helped form the empire so, yeah, that's right. kind of was getting at. But.
1: So, you know, um, kind of looking at my notes here, mm-hmm. kind of about the one and only Mon Mothma herself. I mean, we kind of gone over her chancellorship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, this is very much a continuation of Legends. I mean, Legends is what really made Mon Mothma the first leader of the New Republic um, very much a thing that we've just continued because. It's just the thing we do, you know, but kind of like, ah, eh, you know, don't, don't think mm-hmm. what ain't broken. And Ma Masma is like, yeah. she was the head of the Rebel Alliance. She became the head of the, the New Republic as its chancellor. Um, but you know, probably is that kind of that quasi George Washington. Well, she's our most, she's our kind of compromise candidate anyway. So yeah, I like anyone it. else wants the job at the moment, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's always that uh i, mean, you know, I think
0: villichem um, in in the aftermath trilogy villichem or no maybe that's bloodline one of them is still is kind of around too but
1: i know yeah. there was a challenger to mod Ma- masma um yeah. in um bloodline that yeah. didn't uh that lost the end of the day
0: um, challenger is mod Masma still around during bloodline why do i think
1: i, I think so. so i think he just See, I always get mixed up because yeah. in Legends, she got ill and died by poison. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been too in, long since I've read that book. I should say in <laughs> Bloodline, she definitely retired. I mm-hmm. think she might have been ill as well. I don't think she yeah. was like in good health. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, um,
0: I know in weird- Empire's End, there's some some she has some political rivals in part connected related to that the push for militarization or not. Right. right.
1: So, I mean, this is the transition from, you know, rebellion to Republic where it's like, you know, Mm -hmm. really, you can't really, I'm sure there's always rivalries and disagreements. And there's, you know, we see that one dude, He's like, we, we, we're empires. The rally is finished. We got to give up. They got a death star. Surrender. Um, Yeah. But for the most part, you know, it's like, well, we can't really squabble among ourselves. We're going to get killed. <laughs> and then when we're an actual governor, it's like, ooh, I can be president. I want that. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's weird thinking of Mon Masma getting older and because, like, Jodie O'Reilly's, like, she's so young and so vibrant. Yeah. It's like, compared to, like, Return of the Jedi, it's actress who's, like, you know, she got a little bit more wrinkly, um, yeah. a little older. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, Mon Masma gets the chancellor, quickly restores the Senate. Um. Kind of quickly, which I guess, you know, she kind of wants to show, hey, we're not the Empire. Like, even though the war is still going on, kind of, technically, it's still chaos. It's like, kind of wants to quickly, like, nope, we we got the democratic procedures. You know, I am not the all-powerful chancellor with emergency powers anymore. (laughs) The Emergency Powers Act is no longer involved. Um, Kind of a situation. Uh, Demilitarizes quickly, or at least wants to. I think there's a little bit of confusion of like, oh, we're demilitarizing right away because they sent the fleet to Jakku. It's a pretty good fleet, too. Well, but that's so. the thing
0: is is the fleet's there. Um, probably for the, it was the rebel fleet uh, that just transitioned over. It's just that it needed Senate authorization to, to really mobilize on that scale. And it takes like two or three votes and, and the, the in Mammoth, but she loses the vote the first few times for for mobilization, and and then, like, um, and it's and and uh, Chuck Wendy writes it brilliantly as this surprise for the reader too. I remember that. I remember like what she lost the vote. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen? You know, um, you know it, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean that raises questions about pacifism versus just war versus whatever. But uh, yeah, anyway, sorry, keep going.
1: I mean, you know, pacifism is all great, but when you got the entire imperial armada waiting for you, it's like, I don't think they've got to just be nice yeah. and you to have to take care of. <laughs> um, but um, yeah.
0: Suspending um, my moral disbelief. There it is. That too.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes you do just got to fight to fight, you know. You know, no one's going to be nice about it. Um, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, but uh you know quickly, you know, once the em- empire is gone, or at least not a major military threat anymore probably does demilitarize, there is a fleet. there are bases, clearly we see them yeah. um you know, and the whole local defense forces thing i I've always found interesting the higher public I feel yeah. kind of retroactively adds a little bit more. It's like that's how military engagements in the old in the higher Rep- in the republic of old was like where it's like. Mm-hmm different defense fleets would get together and they kick them out. But, um,
0: well, that's just it. I mean, that's the thing about the grand army of the public is the aberration, right? That's the weird thing is what's this clone army doing, uh, being, you know, being mobilized across the galaxy. What are these, all these massive ships who paid for those things, Uh, How is the Chancellor allowed to do this? Is it legal? I will make it legal. (laughs) You know, that's the, I mean, that's the thing is we're so used to seeing on screen um, this this central institution having all these soldiers in white armor and uh, be it the Republic or the Empire. Yeah. I mean, for most of the galaxy, it's local armies, local fleets and the Jedi. And that's the debate. Interestingly enough set up in uh, uh, Rising Storm, Senator Tietun, remember this very clearly, he was all he was getting concerned that the Jedi were just having too much widespread influence, and not not that he disliked the Jedi, but he was all taking too much responsibility for planetary defense and for uh, security when fleets, here's a subsidiarity point again, fleets that and, and military and, and security forces that actually know their planet, know their uh, their environment, know their people, should be tasked with defending them. I mean, you see, Naboo having a very peaceable security force, very not very effective, except when this kid named Manikin actually mm-hmm. st- stays, in, obeys and stays in his cockpit. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, another thing that needs to be fleshed out with this New Republic is. We're going back to that now with the New Republic. We're going back to these planetary fleets. It's interesting, of course, what we see on screen in, in the Mandoverse is we have, Mon- we have, uh, Kirsten's have all well, these X-Wings. Of course, he needs this authorization to go and investigate, go back to it, and he's stopped by, uh, by, um, uh, what's his, what's his name's agent? What's her name? Uh, um, uh, you know, Eli Kane. Yeah, stopped by her, but um, yeah. I mean, it's it's that sh- just
1: random bureaucrat dude too.
0: Like, yeah, like. and these random bureaucrats who are just not interested in mobilization for multiple reasons. So, yeah, it's a yeah. uh, you know, it's it's
1: interesting the thing about the New Republic. It's like if Luke had got that giant Order up and running quicker, mm-hmm. you know, because I always say the New Republic had more of a centralized military than the Old Republic did for sure. It looks like it. They had a, they had like the way I've always kind of interpreted the New Republic fleet. Mm -hmm. They're kind of like Starfleet, I guess. They kind of have that Starfleet kind of, I guess. They're not a huge military, but they are certainly a centralized force that can, you know, send out forces
0: and whatnot. Uh, But they're very intentionally inept, intentionally not meant to be, mm -hmm. have that big presence throughout the galaxy. You know, I mean, what we see. Uh, with Matt Lanter's character in the, the prison mm. ship. Poor guy. You know? They're meant right. to intentionally inept. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, Din Djarin says their joke. Yeah, they're not trying to be serious about being a beefy military. They're trying to be... Oh, right. Because, you, you know,
1: know, in the Empire days, like, see a star destroyer over yeah. every planet, and like, oh, shoot. Yeah, so <laughs> you know,
0: they're trying Abby? to move away from that. So, And they're trying to do that. I mean, that's the thing we haven't seen enough of. They're trying to do that through economics... Uh, that you know that uh Lear Prince of Alderaan, not layer Prince of Wald uh, prince and the scoundrel did a great job showing trying to do it through uh I mean through I mean that's something about a legislature and a representative legislature ideally you know the idea of the Congress of the United States, the idea of the Parliament of Canada or whatever the idea of the Parliament of the United Kingdom, Westminster was that everyone would send a representative and they'd be gathered. In Parliament assembled, ideally, it didn't. It doesn't really work very well in practice, necessarily. In some ways, it does. I mean, you have you have this person. I I know if I have a problem with federal government, I can go down the street and knock on my MP's office and say, "Hey, can can you figure help me figure this out?" Uh, probably will do very good. But I can go do it. I can do something, you know. And I know, you know. So it, I, it it'll be interesting to see more stories like that. That's the thing. I want to see more political stories of, maybe it won't be Star Wars enough, I don't know, but of of the New Republic actually struggling and trying to make a difference in the galaxy. And It'll have to be, it'll still be, I mean, here's the thing. It'll still be the underdog versus the institution. It's just that the institution is the lack of institution. It's the lack of political will to actually have institutions that bring people together and the the thing is it isn't just going to be a state institution and that's maybe that's the thing that's a huge thing that's missing that i think maybe someone like padme for example really started to uh, you you have Padme in in in, in ek johnson's stories for example and also in legends uh ngos um you know non-state actors or you know alderaan Uh, Yeah, it's sort of a state actor, but it's it's a planet. It's not the Republic uh, or the Empire. They're basically an NGO at this point, (laughs) you know, uh, with hereditary monarchy. But yeah, I want to want to see it. I want to see stories like that because that is actually somewhat realistic in terms of how democracies
1: function. Be nice for a couple one shot books in the New Republic era be Nice, uh, I feel like that's the best place to get it, and probably the best place to explain
0: it. Um well, Disney uh, Plus, I got that.
1: <laughs> well then I just think like you get more into depth about like yeah, how this whole thing works. Um, what was like I had a I had a point, uh, but you know, kind mm-hmm. gonna go back to something else I said and kind of the reconciling bloodlines with Mandovers, yeah. Um, you know, one of the reasons they couldn't help out Navarro because Navarro wasn't a member, and the one guy right. says, you know, hey, we're having trouble keeping our own plants safe from pirates right. which is kind of which again it's kind of that interesting thing. It's like in bloodline it's like oh new republic's actually pretty stable more or less like they they, they got the peace yeah. and prosperity yet yeah, mandover's like no your new republic plants are having trouble with pirates i mean yeah. again i can feel like oh it's still the early years so they eventually get get a hold of they get their kind of their mm-hmm. act together um but again yeah. i mean and it makes sense though because like that was the empire it's like we're not part of the empire Empire, like we don't care. You're not part of the Empire. Star Destroyer, here you go. We're yeah. park our You're supplies. part
0: of the Empire now. <laughs> you yeah, like this, it.
1: this religious city for tens of thousands of years, probably mm-hmm. always independent. Empires, like nope. Yeah. You belong to us. We're gonna park our Star Destroyer over your nice little city, and then we're gonna make you our test subject for our plant killing weapon. Could be Because
0: we're gonna take all our, all your Kyber first,
1: but yeah, we gotta do uh, all that. Your Kybers our property. Yeah. Um, you know, um you know, another thing <laughs> I always found kind of weird in canon and maybe they just didn't want to go this direction because it was like legends mm-hmm. and maybe just make it a little too easy, is you know, I'm kinda surprised mom Mothma never groomed Leia for succession. Because mm-hmm. that's what happened in Legends where you know mom Mothma's like, Okay, you know, she didn't like appoint Leia the, the chief of state of the new republic in legends, you know, it's still democracy, mm-hmm. but she's very much like you know, of all the candidates for you know my successor, I very much like Leia. And then that's you know, that sort of poll of like, oh okay, well the senators like vote for mm-hmm. Leia. It's like, okay, well, if mom says Leia's her candidate, so vote for Leia. I'm I'm always kind of shocked that never happened. And I wonder why.
0: Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, maybe because they want to save Leia for different stories now. That's true. Um is that? I mean maybe now that the films are uh you know, the the films are done. They can go into and, and figure that out. I mean, what if? I mean, you see Luke having the hesitancy to be a part of things. What if? Uh, you know, what if Leia it was as well? You know, to some extent. Um, I don't know. I mean, we have the whole she's the daughter of Darth Vader. I mean, that's the whole smear campaign that comes out during uh, during Bloodline. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, what, yeah, what is it about Leia? Why why doesn't Leia get groomed for it? Maybe she was just implicitly. Um, you know, I think there's a little bit of that, but also we haven't we haven't we got we've gotten again a bit of that story with Prince of the Scoundrel. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, that Leia is Mon's representative on this transgelo star line to these planets on her honeymoon, unfortunately, but <laughs> not the best way to spend a honeymoon. Uh so yeah, I mean, I guess there's a little bit of that, but also, I mean, it's kind of like Luke with with Grogu. Got to choose your path, and you got to find your path, and um, yeah, but also, I mean, maybe maybe she's concerned not to have too much undue influence over of the future affairs and trying to handpick her successor because she has other allies. Uh, she has to build you know, build more co- a coalition, so mom Mothma does, and so. Um, she favors Leia, that might be problematic, but again, we see what happens, right? We see how right. Leia ends up struggling in Bloodline because of the spirit campaign. Um, you know, uh, because of you know, just well, I mean, a lack, I think a lack of will on Leia's part. I mean, what we see opening up, I think part of um, well, I think Joel, this is maybe reading ahead in your notes here, what you're speculating here is, yeah, that push to go and confront the First Order uh, that, you know, that's, that's Hera, and then that's, you know, that's also Kirsten and Teva and it's Leia and maybe there's a bit of a rift uh, between Leia yeah. and Mon Mothma and saying, you know, like I keep coming back to the the conversation in Life Debt, right? This rift of saying, we have to be like a rebellion and go and, and confront this problem and Mon Mothma says, no, there are procedures and there are standards and there are Constitutionally entrenched regulations and ways to and and, and checks against this kind of thing, because that could easily become imperial. Whereas Leia's, no, this is anti-imperial. What are you talking about? And maybe, I mean, maybe not a personal rift so much as just a a very a definitive difference of opinion. I don't know. No, I mean, you know,
1: Mon Mothma has every somewhat potential to be just as much the antagonist maybe not these focus series i don't know how much she could be involved but of the kind of the Mandoverse storyline in terms of just not getting with the program you know like i Mm -hmm. i see it one of two ways either she is blocking whatever needs to be done for the heroes Mm -hmm. or you know if they kind of want to keep mom mazma as more of a positive she's sort of like well I can't help you legally, but I know a guy. You yeah. know the guy I'm off the books. Here you go. And what
0: maybe that's late. what happens. And then Mammotha takes the the mm-hmm. political hit for it, for the narrative hit for it, by appearing to be unhelpful when you know behind the scenes she actually is. I mean, that's you know Huck's saying that the Re- the resistance is aided by the Republic. I mean, that's just a propaganda fiction. But,
1: well, kind of officially, there's you know, late or senator friends who are giving her you know, what if mom Mothma
0: becomes one of them secretly, you know? Yeah, um, but republic, you know, they have to have this feud in order to protect the rest of the republic.
1: That's true, um, on these it, things. <laughs> but to speculate, you know, mm-hmm. let's kind of wrap it up with our final point of the day. Mm-hmm. You know why are New Republic stories so far the way they've been? Why have they shook out? Um, So I think the biggest reason, on in all honesty, is most of these post-Endor immediate stories aren't Luke Han and Leia stories. Where in Legends they were always Luke Han and Leia mm-hmm. stories, always Luke Han and Leia stories. They were always. The stories of the characters in the ivory towers, you know, like these are the characters, these are the makers and shakers. The how do we rebuild the galaxy? Mm-hmm. Um, after the defeating... Thrawn trilogy
0: is a Luke Han and Leia story, yeah, exactly. So a Thrawn story, <laughs>
1: you know. yeah, it is a Luke Han and Leia story kind yeah. of dealing with Thrawn. Um, while so far, Mandalorian, Ahsoka, Skeleton Crew, mm-hmm. they are about really the most bootiest boots on the ground these are yeah. civilians they're gonna you know din is rising to become a hero in his own right and probably will be involved in big events but yeah. he starts off as you know he's just regular dude who yeah. has no impact on anything on anyone i mean the aftermath
0: uh, trilogy is uh is, is a lexi story
1: right yeah. know, for example um you know kind of a little different, because they they have the more tangential to the New Republic, for yeah. sure. Um, you know, Ahsoka is, you know, she's doing her own thing, mm-hmm. and these kids, they're, they're children. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> what, are they going to make political decisions? Um, you never know. <laughs> you never know. So, yeah. I, I think there is that. I also think it is that generational thing that we mm. talked about, where, you know, in the 90s, there, the Cold War had ended, so I think in a lot of ways, there was a little bit, of, kind of like Star Trek, kind of, where mm-hmm. it's very much that, oh, New Republic America, we did it. America won the Cold War, we beat the commies. Mm-hmm. Empires of the commies. Um, you know, that's what they're, they have a lot of EU interpretations, even if they didn't go with what, maybe what George wanted. So, you know, there's kind of that, you know, America Yeah. Um, So, you know, when the good guys come in, it's the New Republic, kind of kick some Imperial butt, adding bars on the chair, doing the thing. <laughs> uh, you know, there's, there's sometimes a, a no-good general trying to take down our heroes from the inside. Um, but there's that where, you know, now it's sort of the kind of an era where we question institutions a lot more. <laughs> uh, there's a lot more younger authors and writers who are very much more you know government's not going to come save us mm-hmm. uh and i don't want to get into like you know i don't want to get like oh no vote or anything like that but it's sort of like you know real organizing comes from you know local communal groups and whatnot mm-hmm. you know from the bottom up kind of a situation uh where you see kind of more the gen z millennial um different types of ways of resisting imperialism like we're kind of probably going to see it in the filoni film and in rebels i mean soka season five um (laughs) where you know harrod probably gonna go rogue and break rank and like you know um yeah where it's like you know i can't get mon to approve of my of hey the thrawn you know even even right now carson Tiva's like kind of unofficially like well this mando guy i can kind of off the books maybe like tap into some new republic credits and he can help me find these imperial remnants. Yeah. Um. So you know that is those are kind of like my two big things of one just not a lot of stories about New Republic characters, be it the big wigs like Luke and with a few <laughs> exceptions here and there.
0: Yeah.
1: And kind of that generational thing that I kind of brought up earlier, where just different viewpoints. Um. I wouldn't say though necessarily that. Oh, that meant um, the New Republic was taken more seriously in Legends. It's just, it was, I think, I think honestly, my hot take, is they're both taken as equally seriously, it's mm-hmm. just different perspective and yeah. maybe just a little bit of that kind of generational pull. But outside of that, it's like, eh, I mean, as an institution, New Republic always kind of fell again later on. And kind of here, it's like, if anything, New Republic did a better job in canon because didn't get wiped out five years by clone sure. Palpatine, yeah. three years. But yeah, those are sort of my two big takeaways if I yeah. just am being my sociologist self for a little bit.
0: I mean, I don't have that much to add really. I mean, it's why, why, why we haven't. I mean, we're, we're a culture that thinks the, the Lone Wolf and Cub story is cool maybe because it's different. Like, we're just so used to dealing with you know, we turn on the news and we see you know, Biden and Trudeau having a press conference or whatever, like whatever, you know, it's Biden and Trudeau, you know, it's not like it's not like it's Obama, but not like Obama did it, was all that great either you know, he was he was okay but he had this story behind him, this Jed Bartlett type story behind him that uh, helped him sweep to power, but he didn't really he did his best he could and then after that, look what happened so, <laughs> we had our poplity, and a little bit. No orange hair, not very smart. But uh yeah, I mean again, not, not too much to add in terms of um you know the the belief in institutions. Maybe it's it's again it's not so much antipathy but apathy. You know, that that's just humdrum and boring. Uh and we, ju- we we don't believe in the West Wing. Uh yeah, we don't <laughs> believe in anything uh as exciting as House of Cards. We don't want that. We get that in with Palpatine to some extent. Um what's new and different and unusual is this Lone Wolf and Cub in a in a mask. That you know and and, and this other culture that we're exploring, this maybe a more Asian influenced culture that is finally the last season three really came to a culmination of. And now we're getting the Space Wizards and, and I'm here for that of course. But um, it's yeah, I'll... you know, it's just we're in the new republic now, you know. Why do, why do we want to watch stories about <coughs> us when we go to Star Wars? For maybe that's what it is, right? We maybe we go to Star Wars for an escape, and maybe that's the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek. Star Trek, we I... go to go to it for not just an escape, but uh, this is how what this world could be like, whereas Star Wars, it's more let's imagine something else entirely. Um, yeah, they're both. I mean, that they, they both have the appeal. They both have. I mean, I, I'm a huge, no, definitely a crossover fan. Have their their the fan bases, but yeah, it, you know, I think maybe I'm also just weird. I really do want to see West Wing in space because I love the West Wing. It's it's fun. It helps me suspend my moral disbelief about everything. Um, and so yeah, it, it it's. So your question? No, maybe think- maybe they're building up to it. Maybe another thing. Last, I'll say is. They're building up to it, laying the groundwork, Given, giving the Gen, the gen Xers what they want with this film, Wolf and Cobb, very original trilogy-inspired setting, giving us Clone Wars fans, uh, Space Wizards fans, what we want with Ahsoka, seeding things in. And yeah, I mean, it's also, again, to echo what you said, mm-hmm. uh, novels, specifically adult novels, aware the most detailed content for New Republic functioning has come from both the chuck wendig novels and the quality gray novel uh, you know th- that's where our most it's where they have the time and you know there is maybe a market for that even the even E. K. johnston it, with palpatine there's a little bit of of you know this is said obviously 30 years before this but um a little bit of legislative maneuvering that i find fascinating you know maybe there's enough of a book audience for it but maybe not enough of a Disney Plus audience for. Sadly, I want. I'm all for for just making people watch stuff and uh, pushing through it, enduring through it, because uh, I'm going to truly deeply love it anyway. Um, Get Tony Gilroy. That's what I want. Yeah, but again, Tony, Tony Gilroy, Gilroy does. doesn't want to tell stories of of you know senators trying to make.
1: I, I think he could. Would I? I think Tony but, Gilroy would probably. Yeah, I think he could do it. I think he pull it off.
0: Well, what he did with Mom, off my mothma, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, Mamathma, but there, I mean, uh, even then, it's it's a story of we know this is a story of her giving up, and it's it's a it's an imp- melling story, an important story. I just wonder if it's I'm talking about the story of Mamathma then trying to make it work, and that I'm intrigued by, and that's a story I want to see. I want a novel of that by Claudia Gray, or or James Lucino or whoever, Mamathma trying to make it work. That'd be fun. Well, seeing. yeah.
1: But I think you, a great point. Like, yeah, I feel like culturally we've kind of moved beyond the West yeah. Wing. I don't think we want House of Cards. No, and um, you know, you there talk about aspiration.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, but also you talk about aspirational. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think in a weird way, younger Gen Zers and millennials, yeah. we've kind of gone back to the Lucas way of aspirational, where you and know, the Gene not-
0: Roddenberry way. I mean, that's again the thing with. Strange New Worlds and Discovery in Lower Decks is it's it's back in full, but Starfleet argue, is the hero. But I so, would
1: argue even less so Rod Mary More Lucas where yeah. it's not going to be the official institutions that say sure. like most of the time it's like just normal people rising up and taking down yeah. corruption themselves or um, the lower right.
0: decks, you know, or, yeah, the or
1: Ensign
0: Like, like uh, Ensign or, Hurrah or whoever, you know.
1: So, yeah, you know, like a Victory doesn't come within the Senate Halls. It comes within the streets um, or local
0: groups. With the people who are relatable. I mean, that's, again, the thing with just bringing up the parallel. Well, it's also with, um, I mean, Grogu is relatable. Anyone who has a hauled around. Uh, you know, um, You know, I wonder if, uh, I mean, I don't know if Ahsoka and Heron and Her and Sabino are going to be that relatable. But they are in their own way. I mean, we're familiar with them and the family dynamics around that
1: Uh, skeleton crew will probably be the relatable one. Yeah.
0: I mean, skeleton, yeah, Sabine, you know, this, this younger character who had all these more adult figures around her who did inspire her and, and, and help raise her, form her, but also didn't fully understand her. We don't know what that conflict is with Ahsoka Um, skeleton crew might be even more relatable. We'll see.
1: Yeah, but you know, I think you know, two hour mark. I think yeah. that will do it uh, for yeah. this week. That new, the new Republic. I guess you know, I'll be, I'll be kind of curious to see when the movie comes. And obviously, we're gonna have the climactic mm-hmm. battle. Will the new Republic? Will that new Republic fleet be in the trenches? Well, mm-hmm. again, that's sort of you know, extending it just a little bit because, but this has been on my mind for a long time. And I kind yeah. of always have been thinking about this, you know. And maybe they'll just say, kind of ignore it because, you know, paper can't and screen can't divide. But the whole point of Battle of was like, okay, we did it. We beat the Empire. But obviously, you know, mm-hmm. if, if Imperial Remnant comes and Thrawn, I do kind of worry a little bit in terms of the grander narrative of the whole thing of... Yeah. How do you not make the new republic look really stupid when an exactly. Imperial Remnant nine years later comes back under a Grand Admiral and your response is well now we get it. Thrawn is gone. <laughs> what yeah. it's like what you think the Emperor's gonna come back to clone? You're crazy, Mon. You're crazy. Uh to you know, be fair,
0: that is a bit of a crazy thing.
1: That is true, but it's, that's true, but I take some I dark like,
0: arts and cloning, but <laughs> I,
1: I, I I do wonder how they will play it, especially if the new Republic does get involved and it's not just, you know, non new Republic characters all the time and yeah. maybe Carson Teva but he's kind of gone rogue. Um,
0: gone uh, rogue. Kind of
1: squadron. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I would like that, but yeah. you know, if you know, or, you know, at best, maybe this is Mon Mossma's Avengers, her Rangers of the new Republic that she's funding off the books. Mm-hmm. Uh, situation where if the new republic does get involved yeah you don't you kind of make them look really i'm crass look really stupid by like yeah. a major imperial force just came back after five years and you're not and your reaction is well keep going you know like mm-hmm. you, what you're not gonna be afraid of a star killer base after this you know like i i feel like you know it, it's kind of like the dominion war thing If like if the yeah. Dominion war ends is like okay, your federation back to normalcy, you know, we're good, you know, we didn't just have a, a major war that just guard us for life, yeah. you
0: know. Um, I mean, I think the way they're going to do it is to say, what can we do? We only have so much at hand and we're not going to raise a grand army. Um, well, we'll try and build alliances that bring things around. I don't know. I, I do I do want them to be, that's the thing, I want a sympathetic on Mothma story. Um,
1: yeah, I'll, I'll be very curious. I
0: mean, you know, I don't...
1: I, I'm trying to hesitate on, like, how much Ma is in Soka. Uh No, but...
0: she's not. I mean, I want to... Again, I want a novel. Yeah. Uh, you know, I want I want someone to dive in and think about these things. I know people are... I know a Genevieve O'Reilly is thinking about these things because she has to bring it to her performance. I know... I'm sure Dave Filoni and them are, are have, have thoughts and ideas. But, yeah, maybe maybe Christy Golden. Maybe, you know, she's written Ma Mothman already really well. Um Maybe Claudia Gray. We'll see who does. But yeah, okay. yeah, that is our thoughts on the new Republic. Yeah. And uh, yeah, hitting yeah two hour mark. It's, yeah We had a lot to say. We had more to say than we usually we thought we did. That's all great. That's all good. Uh, thanks everyone for joining us in the comments and uh, online watching. Maybe after the fact, if, if you found this episode later on, Uh, let us know in what you thought of our conversation in the comments below. They are still there on, uh, on SARS underworld, YouTube on underworld, Facebook, uh, underworld, Twitter, I can Twitter, (laughs) not going to call it the other thing. Um, and yeah. And, uh, if you give this video a like and a share, subscribe to the channel and to follow all those socials. If you haven't already, Joel, where can they find you on the internet?
1: You can find me on Twitter. Um, at JID2021, JID21, and of course, at Ion Pod, where I will continue to post things and whatnots. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you can also find us on the Star Wars Underworld Discord and look forward to next month's, where we will definitely be watching the finale of Rebels and maybe a few episodes before, maybe some World Between Worlds just to kind of get all the important mm-hmm. stuff. That's maybe a few
0: episodes these- of a, a previous series. I mean, I
1: would love to, but I gotta, <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta have at least I just want to do Rebel for sure. Yeah, yeah okay. Fine.
0: Uh, uh, but- I, I do. I I think there's some Clone Wars episodes that are going to be pretty important too. But you yeah. uh, know, we we all you know you don't disagree with that. Um. Yeah. Anyway, you can find me on Twitter at n e u g four eighty five on Instagram and Threads at m n e u g eleven thirty eight and of course at Iron Cannon Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Threads at e y e o n c a n o n P O D. Uh next week we are, as as I mentioned, almost nearly at the top. We're talking about uh Outlaws, Servers Outlaws, and probably gonna talk about Jedi Survivor and Fallen Order, and just the whole question of video games and continuity. Uh in you know, multiple multiple storylines, multiple endings, and if there's a canon version or whatnot, and what that might mean for continuity, generally speaking. Uh, it's going be an interesting discussion. Another probably going to dive more into medium and message and what canon continuity means, as we always do here at the Iron Canon Podcast. Uh, but until then, Joel, let's blow this thing and head home.